Welcome to the Read and Deckless podcast. I'm Gary Thompson, joined by Brian Gottlieb. Uh, this might be the first week, sort of back to normal-ish, question mark. <laughs> I've fooled you, Gerald. During our pre-show, I said nothing about this detour that I want to take you on. Purposely, because I know you wouldn't let me do it. And now you're trapped in my web of deceit. Do I need I will... to do like a one of the ballpark noises or anything since this is uh you could you're yeah, taking you could, full control of the show if you could if you could fire off the charge noise i would appreciate that do you have that available uh no i have i have drums and ballpark although i can add more sounds if we want to upload our own sounds uh just give just give me a drum real quick that's enough all right where are we talk, going i want to talk about the dump can we talk about the dump the, the deck dump no we will talk about a deck dump that is the show we're eventually going to deliver you have you been following the product that was found in the dump in texas no okay well maybe what, you don't what, what product that is a fine question and we will get to it i'm gonna set the stage a little bit and like tell the story and probably like a pretty truncated and incomplete version of it but for purposes of podcasting i think it's enough is this relevant at all i have no idea where this is going uh, maybe maybe all right hit me tell me a story so, on Reddit, this is probably about a week ago now, a post m- makes its way to a completely non-magic related subreddit. It was either pics or interesting, like, like you know, one of those is just like very generic, very like front pagey type, uh, just like content forms, basically. Yeah, yeah. A post makes its way with someone's just like, I found a bunch of pallets. I think like the number was six of Magic the Gathering cards in a dump. Obviously, people very interested in that. They're like, oh, you know, must be some garbage that's just being tossed aside. You know, a lost pallet from a manufacturer makes some degree of sense. All kinds of things. So obviously, people want more information. And this person doesn't have any idea, like, what it, what it is they're going for. And I think, like, they basically just, like, leave it and report back that they found this and people are like well shit go look at it and they go back the next day and take some pictures and the first set of pictures they have it's like uh modern horizons 2 product okay so interesting that's fairly valuable product for there to be some amount of it available in a dump you you wonder how that happened but at this point i think it's like buried and destroyed like the normal dump processes <laughs> are happening uh it's, it's getting run over but they get further information do you want to guess what other product was was in the dump alongside oh my the, god was it fake beta it was fake beta there's fake beta there 30th anniversary alongside infinity those are the three products that were in this dump hell yeah and this person f- said about six pallets six pallets is a lot by the way um, you know, a, a huge, huge number estimates put it at like maybe $250,000 with magic cards, maybe, uh, but like, that's all ballpark math and and not a hard number. Um, wait, also, are you, are you counting the fake beta at retail price? I don't know. Oh. I don't know. Like this is, <laughs> this is all very incomplete information and speculative. Um, but you know, now there's pictures of like this stuff destroyed and run over in the dump and people start asking questions like, well, how did this get there? How does, you know, did someone just lose a pallet? There was also secret layers in with this stuff, like full boxed secret layers. 
this is I am so, so confident this is dumping unsold product. And then people research more and there is printing that happens in this. Apparently was all in Texas. There is some printing that happens in Texas. I don't know if we know specifics of like what is printed there, but there's some printing. This is unsold shit being pushed out of a warehouse and brought to the dump. I guarantee it. What else could it be? What pallet that was like sent to a retailer would have 30th anniversary secret layer Infinity and modern horizons two in it yeah um it doesn't make a lot of sense right like that that really can't happen no it it would be very strange uh to just like re-up on all those products at once especially because you can't you you like you cannot re-up on the 30th anniversary product right That's yeah done. yeah yeah so that automatically rules out just like typical retailer right just like that's a, that's yeah. what really sold it for me was when the 30th anniversary showed up is that this was just like unsold product being dumped and like and like the secret layers too right it's like the, those aren't gonna i guess some of them used to but that was a long time ago and not currently what happens yeah yeah you, you should you should look into this it's a very interesting situation and like i guess the next day like hordes of people showed up at the dump trying to like find these pallets and they were all destroyed at that point uh, my my guess is that this is not a one-time thing this is something that's probably been an ongoing process those six pallets whatever this person saw probably the tip of the iceberg man probably a lot so more of could, this being destroyed you could just go dumpster diving for like solitudes maybe and and black lotuses black lotuses yeah just sit quote there unquote black lotuses but this i mean i i wonder if like wizards is gonna have to find a different dump to do their offloading and and i also just like uh, I hate that I bring everything back around to flesh and blood. I really don't want to do that all the time. But there was a, a, a prize card that was given out in the early days of flesh and blood. And it was very much advertised that this will only be available at these events after this event ends. This prize card never available again, and it's gone forever. And so after the cycle of events ran, there was like 15 or so of these prize cards left over, and there was nowhere for them to go. They had made a promise, so they shredded those prize cards. And that was it. They were gone forever. And people on the internet were outraged. How dare you destroy value? This is a card people want. I can't believe you were just shredded like that. It's so disrespectful. Here's an entire fucking business model built on shredding things that are extra and creating false scarcity. It's just so, so funny to me that there's literal, a literal dump filled with 30th anniversary product honestly it should have just been put there in the first place that would have been the ideal outcome it's just drive it straight to the dump cut out the middleman and we don't even have to deal with it yes uh i i will say that i don't know it was probably some of the the fine folks at reddit that made it so that 30th anniversary stuff got it to the dump right yeah you know that's that's probably true just kind of organizing and Sometimes in a in a not good way, uh, giving their quote unquote feedback, uh, leaving feedback on people's sponsored videos and whatnot, things along those lines. So, yeah, my my first thought certainly was just like, yeah, that that is like a lot of potential money that could like help people that is just getting shredded, which sucks. I think it is different for the fab stuff because, in that instance, they were simply being true to their word. Yep. You know, uh, if if they then went back on the announcement and was like, oh, well, I guess we have these cards left over, so we're going to give them away at like this event or something. It's just like, no, you can't you can't do that. 
Yeah, because, I think I think that's even worse. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that while that situation might be unfortunate, I mean, what else are they supposed to do? I think it is just very honorable for them to shred them because I feel like it it could have been like, oh, you know, James just like has them sit on his desk or something. And it's like, well, at some point those are going to get into people's hands and that is not what they were trying to do with like the announcement that they made and everything. So like, yeah, sh- shredding them is the right thing to do. It it seemed like a no brainer to me when it was done. And I, I think everyone else, I'm sending you a picture to to discord right now, just so you can, th- this is, this is the best picture of the whole, like there's a lot of pictures of the aftermath, but this is the one I really love. It's just a sad, sad back of a 30th anniversary card, just lying amongst <laughs> all of this Dietrich and crumpled up, oh, treated wow. like a worthless piece of cardboard. Um, you, you should look into this. It's a, it's a very interesting sort of fascinating situation. Um, I am not the least bit shocked that this happens. And I, I will tell you that for a long time, I was hearing through people like in the TCG industry that there was so much unfinity that it was actually clogging up supply chains. Like it was problematic. They didn't know what to do with it. It was taking up warehouse space, taking up shipping occupation, and they just weren't selling it and didn't know what to do with it. And I hadn't really heard the same thing about Modern Horizons. So that's a little surprising. Secret layers, whatever. My my guess for MH2 is that they maybe overprinted it uh, expecting it to do like really, really well mm-hmm. and simply did really well. And then years go by, obviously kind of like the demand for it dies down. Right. And yep. if this is just like sitting on your shelves for two years or something, well, what are you going to do with it? No warehouse space, especially in the TCG industry, very valuable. Like I know this firsthand now it's something you have to actively manage. It's something that costs you a lot of money like having how much product you're going to have on hand is a very real question that logistically you have to deal with on a regular basis. The idea of like, shit, there's too much of this. What are we going to do? That's not completely foreign. And the idea of shredding it is like, also, I I think that happens probably more than is known in the industry. It's just in this case, uh, it's a, it's a very, very high profile sort of, already for falsely scarce set and it's it's very funny to see it treated in this fashion yeah uh well I'm, there's the thing a while back with finding the palettes of legends right right and right. then it was like oh what what do we do with this let's add them to booster packs or whatever i think that that that's cool but yep. with stuff that's a little bit more recent and with stuff like the uh 30th anniversary I secret layer too. its entire business model is like implied false scarcity, right? Right. Exactly. It's like, yeah, you, you want to just destroy that stuff if you can't sell it anymore. Yeah. You know? So at least from a business perspective, I don't know that that's the most uh, like humane thing to do. Um, I'm not sure what the parameters of this dump are. If things are getting recycled, the picture you sent me did not look like recycling, but I also don't know how recycling works really. So, but you know yeah yeah i don't have any specifics on that for sure uh yeah it it is it is interesting and it's not super surprising because i mean you you think about it's like this stuff gets printed and not all of it gets sold so like what happens to the excess right Mm -hmm. 
And especially with like need needfully scarce. And in a lot of ways, this is just them like doing the same thing as flesh and blood and like living up to a promise. Like if secret layers are only available for a short time and then you have a bunch that do not get sold. They they have to be destroyed, right? Like that's that's the that's the basis of the promise. They're only going to be available. You can't then release them in the future. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what the wording is uh for their releases and the legality of some of that stuff and like how it's distributed for example like through wizards employees mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um so i i don't know i don't know if they they do feel like they're required to destroy secret layers or if it's just like kind of in their best interest to prop them up and keep them value well there, there's that too right like that is a huge whether you're obligated to or not like there are very legitimate business reasons to go ahead and destroy this stuff. Correct. Yeah. But yeah, MH2 is kind of a wild one where it's just like, I don't know. I feel like you just, for, for all the printing press employees who like leak cards or whatever, it's like, can't you just like go on eBay and see what that stuff is worth? Like, I'm surprised it made it to the dump, honestly. Yeah. Well, oh, that was the thing is like when it was just the first thing that was shown were modern horizons booster packs and actually like the cardboard draft pack setups that like make their way into Walmart and things like that. That was the very first picture that was ever shown of this. And at that point, I was like, this is a lost palette. Somebody didn't know what they had. And this is a shame. Um, When the other stuff started getting added to it is when then that narrative didn't really make sense to me anymore when the yeah, secret because players and the 30th anniversary showed yeah, up. Yeah, it's it's not coming from a Walmart. It's not coming from an LGS. It is definitely coming from a, a third entity that isn't responsible directly for like selling these things. Because yeah. yeah, I mean, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars of product, right? Like, yep. presumably something shady would have happened uh, instead of it getting dropped off at the dub. So I don't know. All of this has been deeply fascinating to me. I don't know why. It just captured my attention. I wanted to talk about it. I was I was concerned that you wouldn't want to talk about it, so I just bombarded you with it. Oh, that's fine. I mean, I maybe I would have said no, I guess, but whatever. It's, it's easier to minutes. ask easier to ask forgiveness than permission, is yeah. is uh the way that goes. Yeah. And I appreciate you taking charge, you know. Um it's fine. Yeah, you got you got convictions, stick by them. You want to talk about this? That's fine with me. Right. And now we've moved past the first dump phase of our podcast and we're <laughs> ready for the second dump phase. Many, many dumps happening on today's podcast. Uh, yes, a huge dump. I So I honestly don't really know what format to talk about. Like I, I've, I've settled on a format for reasons, which I'll get into, but it does feel to me like pioneer for the near future at the very least is going to be the the most important one to be talked about because the next rcq season is pioneer with you know some limited if stores want to run limited yep and that means the rc following that is also going to be pioneer and uh the or the the pt no the, the rc sorry yeah and then this rc is standard there's some standard ones happening this weekend so in theory you could talk about that but like I I have I have many thoughts on standard that I think would would take more time to to get across than just one episode where it's just like I, I feel like everyone's doing it wrong. But um yeah. So I I I settled on modern because just looking at this dunk dump, 
decked up. I think that there's a lot of cool stuff here. And we did kind of cover Pioneer the last couple weeks. And I think that there's certainly more to unpack there, but it'd be less new information than just looking at modern right now. So even if modern is not necessarily the most relevant, uh, now might also just be a good time to do it if we're going to be jumping into Pioneer season again pretty soon. I support your read on the situation. I feel the same way. Um, I think we have already said sort of the immediate aftermath of the Pro Tour Pioneer stuff has been addressed. Give it some more time and then we'll come back to it when it is relevant for people. For the time being, though, modern is the answer. Cool. Uh, This is the league from February 28th and I looked through maybe a third of it. And it was it was cool stuff, kind of as expected. So I want to just get into it. Let's do it. Hit me with the first deck list. All right. First up, Knight of Surrey with blue green infect rocking. Well, two ignoble hierarchs. That's cool. And yep. four copies of venerated rot priest. Uh where are the ground the... riffs, man. Come uh, on, get those listen, ground riffs in listen, there. I'm, we're getting there. Okay. So this is G12. Uh, creature for Exian Druid, Toxic 1. Whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a spell, target opponent gets a poison counter. So this doesn't necessarily scale as well with the pump spells as just the actual infect creatures do, but this kind of like gives you some reach for when it does. The, the board actually gets stalemated and also just like gives you another early infect threat to get in some chip damage and everything. So I like the inclusion of this card. Uh, there are, you know, two copies of Distortion Strike where maybe you can double up on this a little bit. So it's not like each of your spells is only dealing one poison if it comes down to like you just having this and nothing else. And as you mentioned, yeah, Ground Rift. This works with Storm. And there are some decks that utilize that. I don't know if they're in this deck dump or not, but... I hope so. I don't want to spoil them. Uh, obviously, you and I, huge, huge Ground Rift supporters. Huge I mean, huge, <laughs> huge Ground Rift supporters, I said. Um, yes, I know they they have that card has some flaws, but I, no, I think that you you are like the only reason that people know that Ground Rift exists due to the Niv Magus elemental stuff. And it is weird to see that card show up from time to time because like now it's just a thing that people know exists. It is. It's it's also become pretty valuable. And you would think, you really would think, like knowing me, I have a ton of ground riffs stashed away, just like the highest quality foil ground riffs you could ever imagine. I don't. I, I really, I for whatever reason, despite my long running love affair with that card, I'd never actually stockpiled on it. So I guess that's that's a big a big fail on my part. I should have just have I should have all the ground riffs in existence, honestly. Well, Niv Magus sort of predated you buying up foils and stuff so yeah that is true that is true oh but like, wow okay it's Dude, enough I, time to come back to it in the interim so before that pro tour i bought i think like 12 ground riffs not not an absurd amount or anything mm-hmm. but enough where i was like well this card only has one printing you know maybe it'll go up a little bit and it did and then we started doing this podcast and for one of our higher patreon tier rewards was just like signing some cards that are meaningful to us and and sending them out to folks. And I've definitely sent out a lot of ground rifts. Yep, 100%. Because is just whenever I could acquire them, I would because I, I just needed to constantly replenish that Patreon reward stock, right? And yeah, regular ground rift, 425 foil version, 
Uh, again, this is only printed one time in Time Spiral. Foil version from Time Spiral, $35. Oh, good. I could retire on ground riffs if I was a smarter man. I mean, it, it would have taken well over a decade. So I don't know but if I've it had been... the time. Like, I, it's not like I haven't been talking about this card for over a decade. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, let me look at the. Oh, yeah, it's it spiked kind of recently. So, yeah, it must have been the Rot Priest. I would assume so. In January, it was 15. Wow. Look at that. Uh, this is the this is the one that got away from me. Oh, well. Uh, anyway, blue green infect. Maybe maybe still got it. I don't know. I think I think so. Like you still see a lot of upside with this deck. The format has to be sort of about certain things. Obviously, this has gotten harder in a post fury, post solitude age. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, you've picked up tools too. things like scale up quite threatening. Yeah, it's good. You got a second hierarchy if you want that. You're yeah, that's certainly well. more threat dense than you used to be. So that's definitely a bonus. Uh, cards like Force of Vigor making their way into, their, into the sideboard in heavy numbers. Uh, mm -hmm. I'd like to see that too. So uh, maybe good. Um, it, it is weird though, because Humans was one of those decks that had some Fury problems, you know? And I think that they found some pretty good ways to solve it by playing like Lavinia main deck and yep. Burnt and Forge Tender in the sideboard and stuff like that. And I don't know if this deck is going to show up in this deck dump, but I saw it in a challenge. Uh, there is a player that top eight at a challenge and then I think top 16, another one that weekend that was playing Mono White Humans that had mm -hmm. Chancellor of the Annex and Shining Shoal. Nice. <laughs> Love to see it. So it's like, yeah, that that's a good answer to Fury right there. You know? Uh, it feels like things are like kind of reaching the inbred point where you're just not supposed to be playing the deck anymore. But if you're like committed to the idea and you think it has enough positive matchups elsewhere, I, I do like the inventiveness. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I, I look at Infect and I kind of see that issue where it's like, oh man, I really wish that, you know, this did have a, a cleaner Fury answer, but maybe it is just dodge it. And that's it. Yep. No Pendlehavens in the mana base. That's kind of wild. There's a Besaju and some Waterlog Groves. No Pendlehaven, though. That would maybe kind of help. Yeah, a little bit. Definitely gives them something to consider. But all right. Uh, Tank Top Taiga. Excellent, excellent screen name. Uh, Harden Scales. A lot of Ozliths. Some Urza Sagas. Looks like Red Green because of Zabaz and Hardened Scales. Nothing nothing too fancy. A Gemstone Caverns, I guess. Yeah, Patchwork Automaton is like the newest pickup for this deck. And Yeah, that's know. that's been there for a while though. Yeah, and it's it's fine, but it's it's not enough to really like move the needle. Again, probably another deck that has some of those same concerns. Although I guess you do get like some welding jar protection, but that's only gonna get you so far. And I don't know. It feels like your setup phase is very tenuous. And if you do it you're off to the races. You have some very good tools now, but those first few turns are just basically clenching your teeth and hoping you get through them. Uh, maybe maybe this is puts this cast in danger of going on long, but like this is the beginning of our day, right? We have time? Yeah, we have time. So on the subject of Patchwork Automaton, I did a thing last weekend that I said I was going to do a while ago, and I finally got around to it. Are you ready? I'm ready. I experimented with the equipment decks in standard. Yes. And Patrick Automaton, part of that. Uh, it wasn't initially, 
And then I was like, oh, holy shit. I think I solved it. Got our, got our boy Patchy in there and definitely improved things. But yeah, defi- Define solved. But yeah, still pretty bad. Um, yeah. Dude, you know what? The thing that has kind of tilted me the most is I've, I've put the red green sword in some of my decks mm-hmm. and the sword itself is pretty awesome. But the stuff that I want to put it in, say like mono green aggro, for example, or in this equipment deck, pro red and pro green just kind of like hoses you too. Uh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Because it means that you can't equip it and the red equipment. And yep. in the green deck, I had things like Tyvar stand. So awkward. Very awkward. Yeah, I had to choose between like, oh, do I want to like equip sword on this thing or be able to hexproof it? And it was like, ah, I'm just going to like sword it or whatever and then kill my thing. And I just have this yep. useless thing. And it's like, oh, this, this is so weird, right? So I don't know. Uh, but Patrick Automaton, when, you know, you, you got to work for it, right? You got to play Kemba and Jorkadim and then basically artifacts from there. I mean, I guess you want to play Nahiri too, but uh, making it work with like the rabbit batteries and stuff and patchwork being a two drop that was not able to be killed immediately was a thing that went a long way towards me actually winning games with the deck, which I was not really doing before. So did it size up fairly effectively? Yeah, no, it was good. Uh, Like patchwork automaton by itself was, was very good. And then, I mean, all the other decks just have so much removal that you, It's it's rare that you get to actually like work your two drop, you know. But I don't know, man. Uh, patchwork was a good solve. Deck is is still not there, but it's it's closer than it was. That's something. I'll give you credit for that. All right, Cumin uh, and some numbers. Juns, Planeswalkers. Well, I guess this is more. It's it's mainly Jun, but also has Karth the Lion. Yeah. And oh no, Drown and Icker. Okay. So I thought this was Drown in the Lock at first. But yeah, I guess Drown and Icker makes sense with all these planeswalkers. So yeah, literal Jund. Uh three Liliana of the Veil, three Ren Six, three Grist, one Liliana of the Last Ove, one Garrick Relentless. Uh Karth the Lion is uh two BG three five legendary creature human warrior when the center is a battlefield or a planeswalker you control dies. Look at the top seven cards of your library. You may reveal a planeswalker from among them, put it in your hand, rest on the bottom, and then loyalty act abilities you activate cost an additional plus one to activate so this is like mh2 uh kind of like sideways build around that people experimented with a little bit and making a little bit of a comeback drowning icker uh new proliferate card so i guess like that helps it out a little bit too and maybe maybe the jun decks just need to go a little bit bigger that's why we're here or maybe Karth is just a tight card and they want to play with it. I don't know, but it's, it's cool. I like it. I, I, I like the idea. I don't know that I see anything. This is really preying on like, like maybe you get the advantage against other mid range decks because you do have this planeswalker base. And that's just not something that a lot of other decks are set up to deal with. But to me, it just kind of feels like this is less powerful than other stuff you could do in the same type of mid range uh time frame like you could be doing elemental stuff or you could be doing murktide stuff and all of that sort of tracks a little bit better than this planeswalker stuff does um for now 
maybe you're just one or two more planeswalkers away and this actually turns the corner i i feel like this could have an edge against elemental stuff okay and i i say that as a, an elementals person you know what i mean where do you think that edge comes from for the most part uh just like the card advantage and the planeswalkers it seems yeah. pretty difficult to be able to contain everything and then they're able to you know, kill your Omnaths and Risen Reefs and stuff and stop you from getting any sort of card advantage or traction. And it seems like they could just bury you. But uh, maybe back in the old days when you had like access to Urian and Traverse for yeah, the Promise yeah, and stuff. changed for sure. Yeah, like may maybe you could go over the top of them then, but no Urian. Uh, if you're trying to play like Kahira or something, you can't have a Emrakul package and you mostly don't really play traverse anyway because you don't have 80 cards to play with uh so there's not a whole lot of room for like all the bobbles and whatnot you could play some eladomri's calls if you wanted to but mm -hmm. not seeing a lot of emeralds in the elementals list these days i think for good reason so uh this this deck is kind of scary you know it's just a lot of like two and three mana planeswalkers that are hard to deal with and can pretty easily grind you out so You'd have the, the removal has gotten quite bad though like we're looking at two drown and nicker for lightning bolt and then you have to rely on your planeswalkers to provide the rest of it which like yeah, grist, sometimes good sometimes bad grist does a lot of work man yeah no, grist it, is a hell of a planeswalker yeah it solves a lot of problems uh so if you now activate gris minus it is only minus one at this stage right because if you have karth in play yeah okay so it is like cumulative to minus effects as well Planeswalker loyalty abilities you activate cost an additional plus one. So yeah. Seems like it would be. Yep. Can't say that I've ever had Karth on the battlefield. No, me, me neither. Okay. Uh, next up, two CLO, uh, Devoted Druid. This is not the last of the Devoted Druid decks. So yep. Esper Sentinel, Giver of Runes, have some early disruption in Cardivangi stuff, and then Devoted Druid Vizier of Remedies. That's one part of the combo, and then you have Stoneforge Mystic for uh, Luxior, Giada's Gift, which is another combo piece. Viridian Longbow as a finisher once you have infinite mana. There's an Urza Saga package because it gets Luxior and Longbow and now Haywire Might. Yep. Uh, and then Eladomri's Calls and Pivars. And we knew we knew this was going to be a thing. Pivars. Yep. Yeah, this isn't even like a, a pat ourselves on the back thing. This was just like a very obvious plant for the modern format, uh, a very powerful one as well. And yeah, this is about where, I mean, I don't know if I expected Viridian Longbow per se, but stuff like this was where I expected these archetypes to be able to go. They just branch in so many directions now. And like, there's kind of a fair game here on the back of Stoneforge Mystic as well. And like, it's it's not great, but I, I do think it's good enough. What do you think about the absence of Skrell from these decks? Like, can't they pick that up as well? Or they just have enough of that effect? They're not looking for more of it. Uh, Giver give Rune seems like a better Skrell to me, sort of. Yeah. But do you think you're not in the market for Skrell or for Giver of Runes five, six, seven? You could. Uh, maybe things are different now. When, when I played this deck before, Giver of Runes seemed worse to me than... I don't know, playing more like post-mortem lunges mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the tutor stuff. Uh, I, I think it was kind of a necessary evil, but it was very rare that it worked out where it's like you have Giver and then you have Devoted Druid and, you know, thankfully this Giver is protecting you or whatever. It just, it really just didn't play out that way to me. But 
This deck is also a little bit different where you're a little more threat dense too, where you have like Esper Sentinel and Stoneforge Mystic that you care about protecting. And I don't well, know. I think you're also just running out of space at this point though, because you have all these diverse packages working across. Like you have your Stoneforge Mystic package, kind of. your Zasaga and your Tybar stuff. And there's yeah, just not I as mean, many slots as there was were previously. Yeah, this this deck also is not notably not playing like any devoted druid type of stuff or not devoted to a noble hierarch type of stuff mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and that used to be kind of like a staple in these sorts of decks but now it's just all one and two mana things i mean like maybe ramping to tyvar matters but uh yeah i i think having stoneforge having esper sentinel not playing mana creatures like yeah you're leaning into more packages but you're also being a little bit more threat dense which helps that kind of plan b that you're talking about with stone forge and esper sentinel where it seems not all that impactful but it is definitely going to carry you in in games where you're facing a, a lot of disruption right yep for sure so it's it's not a lot but i think it's enough and i don't know stoneforge mystic is sort of a combo piece and esper sentinel can be a combo piece in that it is a lightning rod for removal or can potentially get you a couple extra cards which can get you deeper and closer to the combo and stuff so i think it all works pretty well together Uh, this looks like a very tight deck list honestly like everything seems pretty well sorted here sideboard for burnt and forged gender fury problems yep best card probably to solve it unless you have seven drops for your shining shoals yeah, uh, I think I think that's just something you're gonna see a lot of decks do these days. For for forged tenders is the way to go. Yep. Uh next up, uh Artem Kooten with Elementals, uh 60 cards, of course, Kahira, uh some well, I say some, but four Eladomri's calls. That's actually a lot, but uh Teferi Ren Six, Risen Reef, uh Omnath Solitude, all at max numbers, removal suite is three lightning bolt, two prismatic endings. And then, you know, Solitudes and Furies. Uh, this one is playing Ephemerates, three Ephemerates, mm-hmm. to go with the Risen Reefs to sort of chain off, yep, which like it. I, I liked before. I'm not sure how I feel about it now, and I feel like it is a thing that most people have moved away from. And because you're playing Kahira, you can't play Ice Fang. And uh, no Leyline Bindings. People pretty consistently, I think, do the weirdo Leyline Binding Splash, where I think Binding is very good. Uh, especially if you want to play the fifth color. But at, at two mana, I'm not really a huge fan. And this deck in general is just like lighter on removal, which might be a good thing right now. I don't know. Yeah, I think you just want to stay proactive, right? You assume your game plan, if it's on, is sort of better than removal. Like you just do more than anyone else can. So who cares? Yeah. And then you have you have Solitude Ephemerate to fall back on. So maybe yep. it's okay. Yeah, Solitude covers a lot of ground, for sure. Yep. Uh, sideboard, nothing too fancy. A couple subtleties, a couple foundation breakers. Uh, one Charmaw to break up the uh, Kahira and a Kozlek. You're playing against Mill, I guess, but no sure. no Emrakul, Meddling Mage, uh, stuff of that nature. Yeah, I'm fine with it. Yep. Next up, Hey Pharaoh with blue white control these decks have gotten pretty weird but this one's pretty normal uh random 
Chalice of the Void, which is honestly kind of normal. Uh, if you draw... It's weird how we got to that point. It, look, if you draw your one Chalice, it's probably pretty good. You get to put it on one, and it doesn't really affect anything unless you're trying to cast Prismatic Ending on a mm -hmm. one drop that's already in play, but like you can still just do that for two mana, so it's fine. And uh, depending on how many Cascade decks are in the format, for example, like you could move that number up. But there are definitely matchups where drawing multiple chalices is actively pretty bad for you. So, yeah, people just started playing like a Miser's Copy. And I think that you can't really go wrong with that. But, yeah, this, this list is splashing for Leyline Binding. There have been some other lists that go even harder and are just like playing Renin 6. And I, I don't really condone that. But uh, Leyline Binding is certainly good enough. Yeah, and then getting some value out of the Red Splash in the sideboard with some odd cards i would say uh a crumble to dust which i have not seen in quite some time and a flame blitz which is not a card i remember whatsoever from the original modern or excuse me modern horizons 2 i remember uh, it. i i have no recollection of this card our enchantment at the beginning of your end step this deals five damage each planeswalker and has cycling for two I remember it both because of limited and because this was a sideboard card that people played for a little bit. So, uh, you know, look, you, you put Karth in the set, you need an anti-Karth card, clearly, right? I guess so. And now we have it. And yeah, I don't know. This is just like one of the best answers to decks that are loading up Planeswalkers that you could possibly have. And this deck only has two copies of Teferi Time Raveler, which is probably pretty low. But, you know, previously you've seen blue-white control decks that also are trying to work uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor and stuff like that. But if that's not what you're doing, this is a, a pretty solid answer to opposing Planeswalker heavy decks. Sure. Uh, I mean, that is kind of a weak spot for this archetype. You need to be able to either Shark Typhoon them down or catch up with the Leyline Binding. Obviously, you have your counter magic, but there there are some holes. Like, you can you can get beat up a little bit by Planeswalkers. So, uh, not anymore. Flame Blitz time. Yeah. Uh, DCH... 97E, another devoted druid deck. Uh, smaller artifact package, mostly the same stuff going on though. This one with Fiend Artisan instead of uh, Esper Sentinel. Es Esper Sentinel, yeah. And has... There's no Urza's package either. Oh, okay. That's why the artifact thing is smaller, but there's still yep. Longbow Luxior. Yep. Uh, and then also Birds of Paradise, and then two copies of Tyvar Stand that we kind of talked yep. about when we were talking about Standard. Yep. And. Uh, very very good version of that effect and maybe with like fiend artisan you do have some more back doors into just killing your opponent and you get to leverage that x I, I i doubt that's why it's there but well no it is a win condition with devoted druid though okay yeah yeah that's true yeah just dump all your mana into it cool yeah yeah then, cool. you know you got the birds of paradise chilling uh, I, I love when you have a, a double effect like that you're able to get a little bit of extra value where you want this card you want this effect anyway and then it turns out to be your kill condition as well very yeah. cool 61 cards less cool, but... Well, do what you gotta do, you know? You gotta fit in all the cool cards. Gotta get that Chalai in there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Giacomo, Giacomo, sorry. Uh, oh, this is a, an aspiring Spike deck. You want to go ahead and read Recommission for me? Okay. One colorless, one white. Sorcery. Return target artifact or creature card with mana value three or less from your grave to the battlefield. If a creature enters the battlefield this way, it enters with an additional plus one plus one counter on it. So pretty like benign, normal-ish card. What set is this from? 
Uh, this is one of the standard sets. This is Brothers War. Okay. So this is Elementals, but the the hardcore Elementals list with Thunderkin Awakener, which is the best card for you to recommission. Yeah. A recommission seems like a powerful card. I mean, like, it's, is, it's... Isn't this just fine? Yeah, it's basically Unearth, right? Uh, sure. In in a pinch, I suppose you could use it to get back an Ether Vial or something, but uh, this, you know, you play Risen Reef, draw a card, it gets killed. This allows you to maintain like the Risen Reefs in play and stuff. You get... Yeah, a, a lot of virtual copies of Risen Reef in this deck, right? Like Flamekin, Harbinger, Recommission, you're just sort of always on. Right. Ephemerate to protect them also, but getting the yep. third toughness on Thunderkin Awakener lets you reanimate two toughness things like full major yeah. solitude. So yep. uh, that it, it just, it kind of like unlocks your deck in a way, right? Otherwise you had to just jump through hoops to pump awakener up or just only do lightning skeletal sort of things. Yep. Um, but yeah, this, this lets you go a little bit harder and yeah, I remember when spike was playing with this deck for a little bit and it seemed pretty solid to me. Recommission certainly makes sense and makes the deck a little bit better. And, this was like solidly tier two and needed some help and now it has it. Cool. Yeah, it looks solid to me as well. Uh Traumatismus. Zoo. Uh Cascade. No, well, it's so it's Scion of Draco, right? Mm-hmm. But there's also General Ferris and Shardless Agent. Uh Bloodbraid Elf. So it's definitely like a bigger zoo deck. No Nakatl, not even Tarmogoyf. Leyline Binding, is, Bolt, this Elix. This is a weird, weird deck. Kaido the Dancing Shadow at the top end as yeah, well. Yeah, I was going to get to that. Uh, there's, like, there's some galaxy brain thing going on here, but I haven't quite figured out what it is yet, honestly. Well, you need a bunch of gold cards for Ferris. Of course, yeah. And you're playing Domain, so Scion of Draco at the top end. Kind of makes sense, I guess. And then the Cascade stuff, unless you hit a Bolt or a Tribal Flames, is going to double trigger Ferris, so that's cool. That is cool. I don't know. It's just, you know, mid-range, leaning aggressive with a bunch of card advantage and a bunch of reach. I guess I guess I like the concept. I am struggling to think of who I want to play this deck against. This is the biggest problem I have. Um, well, I think that's looking at modern the wrong way. Maybe. <laughs> you know, like, figure at out least the, if you're trying to play this deck, right? Yeah, figure out the thing that you want to do. Yeah. And then, you know, fix your matchups in post or whatever. Sure. And if, and if that is something you can do in modern, then modern is in a very healthy place. So so here's the thing. This, this is kind of what changed my opinion on this, was when Is It Phoenix was coming up, I, I looked at that deck and it was definitely a lot of cards I liked, but I basically said the same thing that you just said about this deck where I'm just like, who do I want to play this against, you know? And mm. modern at the time was pretty fast, pretty linear, and Phoenix didn't have any sort of like interaction main and wasn't necessarily threatening a kill faster than turn four or anything. So I was just like, how how does this deck actually succeed in this format? But then you pick it up and you play with it, and it's just like, yeah, I mean, decks have fail rates, and like you're you're doing your thing pretty consistently. You get to sideboard, right? Maybe your game one is not as strong 
in some matchups as you would like it, but you're a good all-arounder. And I'm not saying that this deck is the same thing. That's where I was getting to. I was waiting for that point. But it it does change how I I view decks through the modern lens, where it's like, well, maybe I, maybe I just need to try this, you know? Yeah, I think the distinguishing point for me was that Phoenix actually did have some pretty good interaction. Like it was it was weird, a little sideways, but things like Thing in the Ice, uh, you know, Blood Moon plans, obviously just like your cheap disruption, uh, your cheap removal spells, all that stuff was good. Right, but just... so all the interaction was anti-creature. Yeah. Right. So I'm I'm yeah. thinking about matchups like Tron or whatever, where it's just like this this just seems like a nightmare. It just seems like you're scooping kind of for no reason. And just like Blood Moon though. Yeah, but you know, not every deck had three copies of Blood Moon or whatever. And I guess later it was Alpi- Alpine Moon. But Alpine Moon, yeah. But from how I had approached modern up until that point, it wasn't like I, I felt I could just, you know, scoop the Tron matchup or just like rely on my cyborg blood moons because one of those cyborg games, you're going to be on the draw. Yeah. And then turn three blood moon isn't necessarily going to do anything if you're facing it on a Karn or a worm coil or whatever already. So I was just right. like, I have, I have significant issues with this deck, but then you pick it up and play with it yourself. And it's like, Oh, this is actually much better and much more resilient and faster than I gave it any credit for, you know? I will say I probably still default to a mode of modern, which is sort of coming on a little bit and no small part due to the modern horizons. Like I still am very much in the vein of find the best way not to interact with your opponent. Like just ignore what they're doing. And And I, I think that that is great. But when you look at like all these other decks, you know, this, this random zoo deck or even, to some extent, things like hardened scales or whatever. It's like, why would you want to do this? I still have that thing in the back of my mind where it's like, yeah, this is not doing exactly what I want it it to be doing in modern. And I I think that some amount of that is true, but it doesn't mean that it's not doable and can have its windows of success. Good way of thinking about it. Stay open to stuff, I think, is just a good rule in life in general. So Yeah, but I, I think if you wanted to continue to live by your mantra, which is, find the way that people are not interacting and you know build some combo deck based around that or whatever that's an excellent plan i think that that's great that's like maybe top tier way to go about modern deck selection but not not everyone wants to play ad nauseum or infect or living in stuff like that and some people just want to like blood braid elf into tribal flames you know and it's like well crap if i want to do that how do i go about doing that and i don't know maybe this is it yeah, I'm I'm too smooth brain for that shit. Give me the free wins, please. That's all I'm looking for. <laughs> Dude, free win. Bloodbraid Elf into Shardless Agent into Territorial Kavu. Uh, I don't know if that qualifies as free win. It's good. I don't know if it's free win. It's free winning against some people. And they're like solitude, ephemerate, and you're like, what am I doing with my life? Well, you just put three creatures in a play. That only kills two of them. Yeah, but they they have a creature too. Yeah. They get to choose which ones you keep. I mean, I think they'll be okay against your Shardless Agent. You spent one card and they're spending probably three, right? Uh, Kind of, sort of, yeah. You could just have, you know, a redundant solitude floating around. You can have Fury, which sort of blows this argument out of the water. Yeah. uh, In some sense. Yeah. Anyway, uh, next up, Havati, Mono Black, 
Urborg Cabal Coffers. These decks are getting so wild. Uh, this one has eight Field of Ruins, Field of Ruin and Demolition Field. So okay. backup land destruction plan, which is kind of rad, I guess. How many basics does this zoo deck have? Forest Plains? Oh, yeah, they're in trouble. Yeah, we're getting them going long, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of like these versions better uh, than the super weirdo ones I've seen. Super low to the ground with uh, the capability of scaling up. So like Relic Progenitus, Maze Mind Tome, Fatal Push, March of Wretched Sorrow, mm-hmm. uh, Night's Whisper, Thoughtseize, a lot of cheap cards. Karn the Great Creator as a disruptive tool and an engine, just random walking ballistas to go off your... Uh, Cabal coffers and stuff, and then the Karn cyborg package gives you like the big stuff to Urborg coffers into. And in the- yeah, I think you have answers to basically everything. Uh, Karn is a card that I am suspicious of its longevity in, in the modern format and in, in all formats, really. It's just one of those cards where, like, as the card pool gets bigger, it just gets more and more and more oppressive and it's always about like because it's colorless it's just like is there a mana engine yes okay then i have access to this deck and there's probably a bunch of ways to do it as evidenced by this so right uh, yeah i'm I'm not like calling for a card ban i don't think it's a problem card but long term i mean we've already seen other cards face the wrath of card and i think you'll always have to ban around card it's sort of like weird comparison to make but it's sort of like misha's workshop in that regard right where it's always going to dictate what is and is not viable in a format yeah you have to restrict every single sphere in vintage but because you can't touch workshop yeah every you know four drop every three drop creature you ever make that is an artifact is just like all of a sudden suspicious slash panther is seen play like anything can happen uh slash panther came up in conversation this last weekend when i was uh opening a case of brothers war because there were the transformers cards in them mm-hmm. and a lot of they look them a little slash pantherish yeah they're they're pretty slash panther adjacent you know and uh certainly looking at like the ones that are worth money it's like oh yeah this can be played in like the blood moon stompy decks and legacy and stuff and it's mm-hmm. like yeah this is this is silly very silly the transformers are all just slash panthers and it's like yeah okay i guess this is six dollars or something whatever Put them in the dump. That's what I say. Yeah. All the Transformers go in the dump. All right. RN17, Indomitable Creativity, Archon of Cruelty. Uh, this one is kind of like the blue-red base, Spell Pierce, Lighting Bolt sort of stuff. Pretty clean. Yep. Uh, fire Ice, doing Leyline Binding stuff, but not branching out super hard. So I like this. This is Restraint. Still tier one deck in modern, in my eyes. Like something you should be very, very aware of all the time. Uh, you you bought a bunch of creativities, right? Yes. So they they went up yes. a little bit, right? And then and then yep. it won the PT, and then it went up even more. Yep, I bought foil ones too. Okay. And I think I think I paid like three dollars a piece. This is one where I was uh, very ahead of the curve. Um, can't wait to not sell them. So you still have them? Oh yeah. Okay. My, my brother actually just borrowed them to play uh, oh, uh, RCQ nice. very recently. Uh, my friend bought them and then sold them after the first spike. Hmm. Uh, okay the foils Never sell the foils well he's been burned by that so now he tries to like actually do his due diligence oh me too trust me so the foils are now 53 but the regs are 32 okay yeah um ready to retire uh 30 30 they dip back down a little bit which is good because i still don't own them because we we talked about this a long time ago it's like oh this is a good card to, to spec on but anyway 
Happy oh. to loan you some. Yeah. Uh, so my same friend who did the creativities is sending me Orvars because he, he bought a bunch of those. Okay. Nice. Uh, just just like Commander, basically, because it does a bunch of cool stuff. And then it spiked because of this deck and like Archon of yeah. Penalty, right? Yep. So I was like, uh, yeah, just just mail me three of those. So. <laughs> I'll take them. <laughs> I'm not paying $15 for that crap. Uh, next up, Relative Winds, Yawgmoth. Same, same. Yeah, no changes here. Still like this deck. It's still tier two-ish, I would say, but always happy to see it. Yeah, a little Canker Bloom in the sideboard. A couple Metamorphs. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. Zhao uh, Fialho, Heliod. What did this get that was new? Nothing, based on this list. I, yeah. I mean, there's nothing new here, right? This is just like a, a very old-looking Heliod list. Yeah, Arbor uh, Elf, Utopia Sprawl. Oriok champion, Ranger Captain. This is the stuff that blows my mind. Like, is is this a person who just like had this deck a year and a half ago and was like, oh, I think I'll log on and play a play a league? Or is this somebody who believes this is the best deck in modern right now? I yeah. don't know the answer to that. I have no idea. I mean, yeah, there I are like Besejus, right? That's the newest card I think I see in this list. Yeah, and that's Neo. Yeah. Yeah, it's it could have been like I uh, started a league you know, two months ago or whatever. And like logged <laughs> like on two years and, ago in this case. Well, this the, the league, time. the league season resets every, oh, okay. every once in a okay. while. So yeah, yeah. I, I almost said the same thing, but it's like, that's not possible, but yeah, it yeah. could have been just like log on. Okay. What decks do I have to play? And this is what was there. So whatever. Nice job on the five. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, next up mod 88, another model black deck. Yeah. Here's your little bit weirder one. Yeah. Expedition map couple Golos, a couple Archon of Cruelty, just hard casting that bad boy. Uh, because of the maps, some fancier lands, Bajookabog, Scavenger Ground, Blast Zone, uh, a couple Lilianas, Profane Tutor, okay. We got our Cascading Cataracts ready to go with Golos. Of so course, that's, that's that required. Dream. Yeah. Uh, and then Karn, nothing, nothing fancy, I guess. No uh, leveler or whatever the other. Yeah, just some Sundering Titan, Stonebrain stuff. But that's the other thing about like the Karn package that I think like raises some very serious alarm bells is that the package doesn't have to be very large for it to be worth it anymore. Like there's just a few cards you put in and then you get tremendous equity against a bunch of other matches. So Yeah, especially if there are artifact decks in the format that you get those free wins against. Yeah, incidental hosing for sure. All right. El Salakira, uh, Jeskai Saga, Urza Esper Sentinel Goblin Engineer, uh, fourth Opter Foundry, two Sword of the Meek. So going pretty hard on the combo. Four mm. Metallic Rebuke, two Galvanic Blast. Decent amount of interaction for these decks. Also four Portable Holes. Uh, Mishra's Research Desk showing up in a lot of these lists. Some of the new, you know, new-ish, I guess. Uh, artifact lands that easy to be tapped or indestructible. Uh, maybe not the most relevant for this specific list, and maybe we'll get to one where it is relevant, but the ones that were like blue-white uh, with the ingenious whatever you call them and Stoneforge Mystic and stuff like that, I have yet to see a Skrelv pop up in those lists. Okay. Which is... That seems like a fine addition. Yeah, because uh, Esper Sentinel, Portable Hole, you're... You're loving the fact that you have these cards that are just generically good that also count as artifacts, but like 
if you have Stoneforge Mystic, to some degree, Esper Sentinel, but uh, what's the what's the ingenious card? Oh, Lord, you're testing me. It, it's my... like the one dub one one uh Glintness Crane for an artifact. Yeah, I, I know exactly what card you're talking about, but I, I cannot tell you the name. Maybe we'll get to it. And then like Urza, it's like you have a bunch of high Ingenious value Smith. Cards. Ingenious Smith. See, that's that's what I thought, but it just seemed like too simple. No, it's very simple. Anyway, you, you have a lot of high value cards to protect with Skrelv. So that's great. And it's also just a cheap artifact. It, yep. it seems kind of like a slam dunk. That's, to that's me. the biggest selling point, right? Just like cheap artifact is so, there's such a low barrier for a cheap artifact to make the cut. Right. So you just need to find a deck where it's actually relevant. I think that those decks do exist. This one, maybe not so much because it's a little heavier on the interaction side of things. But uh, in, in these decks in general, don't don't forget that Scrub's an artifact, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is another sort of example where it's like, uh, I thought we decided this deck was not very good. How are, how are people still playing it? You know, but... Live your best life, man. That Mishra's research desk just covering a lot of the holes in this deck, and now it's tier one. Okay. Modern. The format, just science. The format of 70 tier one decks. <laughs> uh, next up, Wonge, one blue-white control. Here we go. Two Chalice of the Void. What's up? Uh, six Teferis. So, yep, no Flame Blitz in the sideboard. Not surprised. Uh, Leyline Binding still, no Fire Ice or anything, but pretty no normal. Sh- no Shark Typhoon either, which is a little surprising to me. That's been one of the, like the saving grace for me. You know, I I'm still stubborn and still want to believe in blue white control in modern, and I occasionally will fire up a league, and it will be only Shark Typhoon that really feels like it's bail- bailing me out in a lot of scenarios. So I'm a little surprised to see no copies here, but yeah, this is just like Teferi's instead, right? It's like I'd rather planeswalker people then shark them yeah i just don't think that works i think that leaves you a little bit too vulnerable to a lot of things in the modern format like you need to be able to close games you need to be able to pressure planeswalkers and then you need to be able to interact at instant speed as well and not just tap out for five but like you said live your best life do the thing you want to do if you want to cast teferi hero of dominaria i get it i also want to cast that card so have a good time thing i will point out also no castle vantress in this list so i'm already about it great deck building there's one in the last one i was kind of mad uh ooh, next up the man the myth the legend aspiring spike this deck is tight uh asmore with some tyvars and some ether vials mm-hmm. and then priest of forgotten gods stitcher supplier bloodgast fiend artisan unlucky witness and yeah, of, it just, of, of course, an Urza Saga package just feels like there's so much value baked into like, how do you ever run out of things to do in this deck? It seems uh, almost impossible. Yeah, like rest in peace, probably ley lined. Uh, nobody's going to play rest in peace. You'll be fine. Yeah, just believe, believe in the heart of the cards. You'll be fine. You got haywire mites. You'll just blow up those. Uh, any kind of impetus impediment to your output. Haywire mites ready to deal with it. So, yeah. And I like that a lot. Uh, this deck looks cool. Again, one of the things we're just like, ah, this isn't really interacting on every axis that you need to be interacting in modern and seems maybe a little bit on the slow end. But Spike is the, the perfect example of this where it just like 
has an idea, builds the deck, and then sees what happens, right? Doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily think about like, oh, well, this wouldn't work because of X, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. And especially if you're playing modern leagues, I mean, you're playing against other people who are kind of like doing the same stuff as you a lot of the time. You know, Spike is me before I got jaded. Like, seriously, yeah. like yeah. That, I, I'm so like awed by what he comes up with and like so inspired by it. It makes me want to be that person again, except I'm broken inside, so I can't be. But that's exactly how I used to approach modern. And uh, I'm glad someone is still doing it. Yeah, because you, I mean, maybe this is a bad example, but you never would have gotten to Niv Magus Elemental with that attitude. Correct. Correct. <laughs> it's, it's, present, present me does not get to Niv Magus Elemental. Maybe that's for the best, but you know. Right. I mean, Jund was the <laughs> the biggest deck in that Pro Tour, and we knew it. And it ended up being even bigger than we thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it did not end up working great, but it never would have even been a thing we tried. Like, we would have dismissed it before we tried it. So Yeah, for sure. And if nothing else, I mean, that is a part of Magic's history right there. Yeah, not all history is <laughs> like positive, but yes, it is, for sure. It has become legend at this point. Anyway, Fiend Artisan, Unlucky Witness, Tyvar, just popping off, drawing all the cards, making a bunch of game objects with like cookbook and saga and stuff. This seems fun to sell. Yeah, Fiend Artisan multiple times per turn is very much in my range. Get to do it with Haste, which is extremely good. Priest of Forgotten Gods with Haste is sort of like a nightmare card. Just so many cool interactions here. Yep. Next up, Morrison84. Blue Red Storm, some new-ish cards, Strike It Rich, a couple copies of Wish. Uh, but yeah, Gifts Ungiven, Brawl, Goblin Electromancer, same kind of business. I I won a uh like a, a, a local 1K with this deck 10 years ago. Almost card for card. Like it's basically nothing has changed. So uh if and it was great. I I love playing this deck. I understand why. Is it Storm still has aficionados, still has fans, people that won't get away from it? Because there's a lot of fun to play as far as combo decks go. So it is. I mean, if you enjoy the sequencing aspect of like Delver and stuff, mm-hmm. that's all this deck is effectively. Yeah. And you just, you just do it to the maximum. And if you can appreciate that, you know, the fact that you're not actually playing Magic, you're just, I don't know like playing some deck building game effectively or uh i don't know this is this is sort of how i played like slay the spire type stuff yeah too you know just like try and build like the coolest uh linear thing that you can do it's like this is the sort of thing that i would want to be building towards right and i I love those games monster train is the one that i always like that that's my absolute favorite of that genre and it's because it allows you to break it in such good ways and that is one of the genesis we've talked a lot about like new player experiences it's one of the genesis for me of completely changing how i feel new player experiences should be powered like the historical legacy of new player experiences is simple dumbed down you don't let things like infinite combos happen i feel the exact opposite way now like i think you actually want to try and build the most powerful possible things into your deck that show what your game engine is capable of. Right. Because that's how you hook people. You show the flexibility and just like how powerful you can get. And you look at games like, uh, you know, any auto battler, even just like original League of Legends, it's about that power fantasy. It's about letting you get to a powerful point where you just like are basically omnipotent. That's what all these games are played for. And you have to let people experience that in your game system when your game system is capable of it. 
I don't know if this is a good example of this. I only watched people play it and didn't play it myself, but like Hades, is that a good example of that too? I don't know how yeah. how yep. actually powerful you get in that game, but yeah, like so there are some roguelikes where you get to the point of like outcomes are deterministic, like you have broken it. Like Binding of Isaac is very much in that range where you can just put together the right combination of items and you basically cannot lose from that point. My experience with Hades, which is I, I'm not like a super experienced Hades player. It it doesn't go quite that far with your power, uh, but I could be wrong about that. Honestly, like maybe, maybe you can. And sequels coming out, so maybe maybe that's it. Yeah, great game. Uh, Z riffs, uh, underworld breach, grinding station. Uh, this one is is pretty classic. Uh, Ledger Shredder got the fourth color in there for Haywire Mites. Very light white splash, which is very popular right now, but. Uh, yeah, Ledger Shredder is the one where it's like I see people kind of like moving away from and stuff. But Haywire Might did win the title as most impactful card from Brothers War as far as modern goes, right? For modern, almost certainly. Yeah, I can't think of anything else that really kept pace. Uh, I'm just proud of Haywire Might. I really am. It's it's doing great work. Yep. Anything else about no. Breach? No, I just want to talk about Haywire Might. That's it. All right. Uh, Pete 250 uh okay ingenious smith esper sentinel thought monitor mem knight oh oh yeah okay no this is the good stuff uh yeah this is cool this is a, a breach version of that deck like breach grinding station but instead of the like ragavan stuff you actually just lean harder into the artifact package mm -hmm. kind of thing so esper sentinel ingenious smith thought monitor thought cast uh portable hole i think that this is a pretty natural evolution, honestly, because this is really cool. Yeah. Like the other breach decks felt like they were Merc tide that became something else. Right. And then it was like, Oh, well we got to play enough artifacts for like Emery and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, at that point, why aren't we just going harder on artifact stuff? Right. Like does Ragavan matter that much more than playing Esper Sentinel and genius Smith thought monitor. And I think the answer to that is no. I mostly agree with you. Thought Monitor, just an incredibly powerful card. You're so consistent with this build, right? Like you just have all these one cost draw twos laced into your deck and you're pretty threatening in the early game too. Like I, I wouldn't say you're an aggro deck. That's not fair, but I, I do think you can win on that axis if you're sort of left unchecked. If someone's trying to play very defensive against your combo kills, you will beat them with this beatdown plan, even if it takes a little bit longer than you might like. I think it's there and that's a really cool turn for this deck to be able to make also the idea of like I don't know being able to play value breaches is is so so good like just getting that little bit of oomph to push you over the line rather than doing full combo means the card's never dead it's, it's just everything in this deck is never dead it's such an elegant combination of all of these packages again seeing modern becoming about interweaving packages in the most efficient way possible thing that is weird to me is three copies of Mimnite, two mistress baubles but then there are two springleaf drums and the deck is kind of creature light so Mimnite, i guess is powering those mm -hmm. but i wonder if that's actually a necessity this is the crap that i think about <laughs> you're talking like big picture stuff and i'm looking at it where it's like oh i wonder if this is like optimized like i this, wonder this if i can play thing. one more mishra's bobble in this deck yeah that's, that's basically about. basically uh because i don't know like the the bobbles play 
really well with breach in general just as as far as like cycling like of course obviously yeah. the the turn delay is not great but it's just like you're creating more pieces of cardboard to play with right and mm-hmm. mem knight is clearly serving a role i agree that you need more zeros than just four like say you just started four bobbles and called it a day i mean you're playing thought cast and thought monitor you want more than that um yeah like multiple drums with mem knights i don't know if bobbles like the actual cut like this this one nettle cyst i could probably do without but you know whatever yeah like i i want that nettle cyst to matter like it's definitely a very real way to contribute to the beat down plan but where it's just like oh did i draw my nettle cyst it becomes much less impressive yeah and it's not like there's more in the sideboard where oh i need to be a little bit more yeah, shifting into the certain thing so that's yep. it's kind of weird to me that's sort of out of place but whatever oh, uh, i i like this deck maybe this is not the final form but it is red next up uh shrek 001 dredge and i kind of like the way dredge is looking these days for mana confluence for city brass for gemstone mine just not messing around uh, a lot of different colors of mana required dark blast otherworldly gaze happening on turn one thrilling discovery on turn two uh now you have scrapwork mutt to keep going out of the graveyard yeah that's a, that's a big pickup for these archetypes for sure it's it's not bad and it's the red looting which is generally more mm-hmm. favorable for this sort of deck so that's good too and we're just ditching the loam stuff, just have like one conflagrate to finish, which I think makes a lot of sense when you're just trying to go like a little bit faster. Yep. Yeah, that's that's a metagame determination for sure. Um, but given how things are, Dredge sort of a deck that got outpaced, I would say, in modern. Yeah. It just, there was nothing left for it to prey on. But shifting the way it's built is, is how you deal with that. And clock seems real here. So n- nice adaptation from this deck uh jr citizen or junior citizen i don't know uh green black oh man this they this deck has some very green black cards in it but uh, mm. this is in another asmore deck uh so cookbook saga gilded goose two trailer crumbs four feasting troll king four serenth steel seeker another brother's war card this is one g one two uh, whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under, under your control, the top card of your library, if it's a land, you may reveal it, put it in your hand. If you don't put the card in your hand, you may put it in the graveyard. Really good when you're making a bunch of food with cookbook. Oh, yeah. And uh, finale of devastation to find Asmore. And then, just, yeah, stuff like Wither Bloom Command. You know, it's just like, yeah, that's a green black card. All right. Uh, this looks like, again, sort of back in time asmore decks like one of the first passes at asmore where feasting troll king looked like a straight up problem honestly for a while like this was a card everyone started to sort of fear in the modern format that didn't really come to fruition but i don't know i don't think serenth steel seeker is enough to revive my desire to build the deck in this fashion but again the modern rules if this is what you want to do you are allowed to do it do not let me stop you Go ahead and finale of devastation out your Asmore and have a great time. I will say that Haywire Might is a huge pickup for this deck because, uh, you know, I kind of talked about the other Spike deck uh, that had problems with like Rest in Peace and Leyline, and like this deck mm-hmm. is pretty similar too. And I 
when I was playing this deck, I was struggling to find a good out to it. So you have things like Nature's Claim or whatever, but I was playing a lot of Trailochromes and you had stuff like Urza Saga in Finale if you wanted to play it. And it was like, man, if, if I just had a cheaper creature that did this thing, uh, and especially a thing that was like findable off Saga, it's like, oh man, this, this does solve a lot of your problems, but that was only one end of the problem. Uh, the other end was you play against a deck where Asmore doesn't actually do anything mm -hmm. and you just have like a very ineffective beatdown plan against a control or combo deck. Uh, and that's not really where you want to be, but if that's not where the, the format is, then, I mean, th this deck is just so good against like mid-range creature-based decks for the most part. And oh, 100%. It, yeah, if, that, if that's what the format looks like, that's this is where I want to be, this sort of thing. Yeah, that's always been Asmore's sweet spot, right? Like if the format is about creatures, Asmore is ready to uh, dominate that end of things. Yeah, so more Haywire Mites on the sideboard. Uh, Grist was uh, a card that I didn't really pick up on until later, but again, very good, solves a lot of problems. And then uh, this this is one of the situations where the sideboard has like Thoughtseize season Fatal Push because you don't really want the main deck, but there are definitely matchups where you need those cards. And this is one of those decks where you could look at it and be like, oh, it does. it's not able to play those cards, so you're going to have problems in certain spots. And it's like, yeah, that's true, but... You can just, yeah, just sideboard them. Yeah, adapt after sideboarding. It's yep. maybe not fine, but, you know, it's better. Acceptable. Uh, Metal Buddha, Jund, but Saga, and also standard cards. Uh, <laughs> Fable of the Mirror Breaker, uh, a couple copies of Riveteer's Charm in here. Uh, but yeah, just Ragavan, Tarmogoyf, Renin 6, super low to the ground. I like this. I can't speak to its efficacy or anything, but... Yeah, this is this is cool. This is uh, probably how I would look to build Jund if I were going to play it. But I also think that that's maybe like the you know twentieth deck on my list. Fable of the Mirror Breaker as a fair card in this context, like just a card that does what it says. There's not really a huge amount of cross synergy here. Maybe, maybe none, honestly. Like I, I don't find anything that really stands out as a cross synergy. Uh, this is just good enough. For modern question mark well think about how people are playing like risen reef yeah you know three mana does very little to impact the board just kind of filters your cards a little bit uh maybe scales in upcoming turns but for the most part is something that sort of needs to be either dealt with or ignored and i think that those cards are completely fine it, it's reasonable it certainly doesn't line up in some matchups like again think about this card against something like Tron or whatever is just downright embarrassing. But yeah. uh, say Fable were something else, I don't think that that's necessarily helping your Tron matchup either. So No, very true. I, I guess I guess just my point is like, I, I see Fable as an absolute modern player, very, very impactful card. It's just, I tend to look at it as there is this sideways synergy going on and it does all these things that are just like an absurd fair card on top of it. Uh, to see it just be a fair card is kind of like, to me, reaching the realm of like a little try hard, a little discard is good everywhere else. So I'll just put it here. Whereas I think there may be better options still if you aren't committed to the idea of like my fable is carrying some other aspect of my game plan. Well, again, once you're like, oh, I want to play Jund with like Jund Saga with Gigantha. You're already making some choices, right? You, you are making some choices. And then yep. I think fable fits here pretty well. Um, 
if nothing else like there's the the saga synergy where it's another card that makes artifacts in the deck that is not very good at making artifacts yeah so it's true there, there's that sort of stuff going on um but yeah like in in fair jund i think fable is more than reasonable okay so the argument there is is fair jund a good thing to be doing in modern that's right that's a little different question a little more up in the air right but it is what it is um moniz 0801 amulet four mycosynth gardens 34 land uh two cultivator colossus which i think makes sense because higher land count and if you are able to double up on amulets relatively early relatively regularly uh you you want something big to do with that so increasing the threat count a little bit makes sense yep very much a believer in cultivator colossus i own my full art foil copies so you can tell uh, i took that card very seriously as soon as it was shown I don't yet have Mycosynth Gardens, which probably is is time if I'm still uh, living up to this fantasy of I'm going to keep my foiled out amulet deck around forever. So I will, I'll, I'll open TCGPlayer.com right now and I'll put that on my to do list. What about others. the defense grids in the sideboard? Do you have those? I think I do have those. Yeah, Oblivion Stone. That's also kind of a new one. Uh, I don't know about Oblivion Stone. I don't know. That's that's not a new one. That's been around. Isn't that the the OG? No, it's the I, it's new for amulet sideboards though. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I I have some number of Oblivion Stones. Whatever, we'll sort that out. All right, uh, Leandru, Eldrazi Tron. Nothing super new here. Uh, a Karn Silex, some inscribed tablets, which, damn, actually seems pretty good. Hmm. Uh. Yeah, I don't know. Same old, same old to me anyway. Yeah, if I saw something like, uh, you know, four inscribed tablet build, I'm like, okay, maybe I pay attention and something new has happened. But I, I don't think any needles have been moved with this deck. And it is, it is what we thought it was. It helps, though. Every, every little piece helps. Meh, maybe. MTG Bullet more scales whispers of the dross all right drown a nicker as well getting that proliferate action going on with a little bit of a removal spell yeah oh staff of completion uh weirdo okay. weirdo sack outlet uh yeah pay three light proliferate again okay sure proliferate's good in this deck no doubt about that no that's definitely true uh going to some weird places to do it but yep however you need to get it done i guess uh, next up, Drew, 9873, Rhinos with an Arcane Proxy, uh, Leyline Binding, so some extra Cascaders in Ardent Plea as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, no needle movement here, just uh, trying some stuff out. Good, keep experimenting. Nif, Just Guy Ascendancy, Fate Stitcher, 16 land, bunch of cantrips no new cards here like i'm looking for something new and yeah. nothing is standing out to me no like maybe slightly new ish build but yeah that's about it i don't know glittering wish giganta yeah all pretty normal glittering wish one of my og uh moto specs by the way i had just a preposterous amount of glittering wishes this is back when like i actually really needed to find ways to make money and i remember just having stockpiles of glittering wishes did, and, uh, did it work out 
It did. Yeah, I got nice. paid rather handsomely on that. All right. Uh, Lucas Giggs, another Eldrazi Tron. No intro. Two Karn Silex. Yeah, two Karn Silex, no tablets. Cityscape Leveler? Yeah, I think that was in the other one is the Karn sideboard. Okay, yep. Okay. Makes um, sense. Yeah, but that one, that one also had a 15-slot Karn wishboard. Mm-hmm. This one, uh, sort of the same, two copies of Stone Brain, um, which maybe you need to wish for twice. You know, I don't know if you ever necessarily side in the extra one, but... Uh, yeah. Don't pretend like you have a real sideboard when it comes time for Eldrazi Tron. Just go ahead and maximize your cards. Uh, Willifoof? I don't know. Uh, I don't know if this is exactly another spike list, but this is at least very close to something that I saw him playing. Uh, Esper. Uh, it's like Gorio's Vengeance on Atraxa and then some backup copies of Gristlebrand, but Grief, Solitude, Ephemerate. So you can Gorio's the thing and then ephemerate it. Otherwise, ephemerate works well with the elementals and then mm-hmm. has uh, some domain action with Leyline Binding and Shadow Prophecy. Yeah, uh, Shadow Prophecy feels like a real magic card to me. That card is supposed to be doing more, I think, eventually. And although it, it's here doing stuff. so Yeah, it, it goes very deep and puts cards in the graveyard also. Yep. So it definitely does what you want it to be doing. And then some... Collective Brutalities, uh, and Burial Rites, it's very, uh, Atraxa, you know, pretty powerful, pretty good. Uh, this deck is leaning pretty hard on Gorios, but you have enough things to do otherwise, where even if it doesn't show up until like turn five, turn six or whatever, it's not necessarily that big of a deal. I've seen Spike play like a ton of long games with this deck. Hmm. No, oh, that's cool. Uh, Kumi, Jund, Fair Stuff, uh, <laughs> no saga yeah no saga but yeah season pyromancer instead which is kind of like i I don't know i i I don't have enough experience to call it like better but that is what my instincts tell me is supposed to be the card occupying that slot but like you said if you're already committed to jagantha then maybe that's why you're going that far if you're a believer in jagantha i understand yeah how you get away from season pyromancer so yeah but this one taking full advantage of no Gigantha with Pyromancer and Liliana. Yep. So this is very much Jun from 10 years ago, just updated with stuff up to and including a single copy of River Tears Charm. Love it. Gotta have the River Tears Charm. Just have to play it. Uh, grappling Ore with Is It Prowess? Uh, just some cheap prowess creatures, bobbles, burn spells, mutagenic growth, expressive iteration, light up the stage, underworld breach. That's it. Simple. This deck should be a ground rift, uh, stupid, no. toxic creature thing. No. Yes, uh, yeah, yes, it absolutely can. Like, why not build in the fashion where you have this secondary plan? Like, all of these spells can go alongside that. You have your mutagenic growth, your your lava dart for free spells to get your ground rift count up. You have underworld breach to rebuy the combo. Because we were doing that because we didn't have like Swiss Spear and Soul Scar Mage. Like you just get to play those as four power creatures and be able to do like you get to spend your mana every turn instead of just like draw going, saving all of your build up for this one single turn. Listen, someone very smart recently told me that the way you engage with the modern format is you find the thing you want to do and then you just kind of do it. And that's what I'm doing here. Okay, but don't tell me that it's better than this thing because you haven't gotten to that part yet. 
I didn't, I didn't really mean it was better. I just meant I wanted to do it more. Yeah, maybe, that's, maybe that's I, fair. I mean, dude, maybe we, I twisted my words a little bit to not adequately represent that. Okay. We, we have a lot of uh, slots left in this deck dump. We might find a rock priest deck for you, buddy. Okay. I'm hoping. Uh, Watsy Daniel X mono black oh, but, the rack but Love yeah different uh rack shrieking affliction liliana the veil it's it's all that stuff uh we got a doom blade in here saga saga definitely seems great in this deck yep not quite eight rack but uh you know messing no with it's, that 10. Rack range. it's 10 it's 10 because you, you, you have sagas Okay, sure. I'll, I'll give you credit for that. And it's that not works. like it's not like you need them until a little bit later, right? No, you're right. You are 100% right. All right, 10 rack. Now the thing you choose to uh you choose to go second with this deck? I mean, Tom would. Yeah. I don't know with this I might, build. I might. With with four Saga, four Liliana, and there's also like an ensnaring bridge. I don't know if you can really afford to do that. But whatever, I, w- I would let the boss decide. Okay. I would have the boss build my deck and then also tell me. And Good if choice. there if there's any matchup where I shouldn't draw, then he should tell me that as well. Yes, I need I need full information. I'm not smart enough to make these decisions on my own. Oh, also hilariously, this deck, the fact that it is creatureless means that you get to play Kahira. <laughs> that is quite hilarious. Yes. With no way to cast it. Uh, silent clearing. There's one. Uh, what are we doing here? Just discarding it to Lily. Okay. You're also revealing it. Revealing it? Yeah, like at the at the start of the game, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, that matters. I mean, what if you reveal Kahira and then you choose to draw first? Uh, you've you've sort of given up the uh, the gig at that point. No, but. I don't think so. I think I think then their brain just explodes. Right? They have no idea what's going <laughs> they, on. They just lose on the spot. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to try that strategy again. I'll, I'll take those free wins. So. Significant psychological advantage. Uh, yes. Next up, Jeffrey H 93 Rakdos scam as the deck is affectionately. Why to. can you, can you explain to me why? Like what is, why is it a scam? Cause cause it's grief and the reanimate stuff. What's what's scammy about that. Uh, you just like shred their hand on turn one. And it's like, all right, did I get a free win or not? Oh, and then, I mean, there's also like Blood Moon, you know, if, if that fits into the scam uh, notion for you. Man, I, I like creativity in deck names. Like, I, I kind of miss that era of stupid deck names, but I don't like this one. It's not it's not doing it for me. Okay. We'll move on then. Alpha Dasher, yeah. Gruel, Arbor Elf, Utopia Sprawl, Luca stuff. Yeah, this this feels like a deck where I'm happy to play Fable because it's so bad that it's actually like probably the best card in the deck. So they, when you're in that mode, I'm all for Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Go for it. Yeah, I mean, also it like you're under some deck building constraints with Luca because you're trying to do like a three drop into Emrakul. Mm-hmm. So Fable fits that without screwing you over although it's still it's probably closer to like one of the first cards you put in your deck versus like ones you have to add later due to the consideration yep but i i think that's true also just like the filtering is huge in this deck that's why we see like season pyromancer yeah. is a very important part of it as well yeah basically eight season pyromancers between those two so yep uh i mean gotta have ways to discard that emberco if you draw it you know important 
uh, Aldum Hack. More more gruel Utopia Sprawl back to back? <laughs> How is this possible? How is this, again, this is just like a fairer version. They were like, you know what? That version of Utopia Sprawl is too broken. Let's tone it down a little bit and we'll just play good, fair, traditional Utopia Sprawl magic. God bless modern. Uh, yeah, this one is Bloodbraid Elf into Clothis. Uh, also get to play Fury since you're not doing Luca stuff. So I don't know. Is is Luca in Emrakul or Fury more unfair in the context of modern? I would say that Fury is maybe more unfair. That is not the question you're asking yourself when you're choosing to play this deck. You're you're just on some other shit. Like you're yeah. you have other goals. So all right. Well, next up we have Banks with Zoo. This one has Nicotl and uh no Tarmogoyf. Nishoba Brawler instead. Hell yeah. Yeah, better better than Tarmogoyf. This guy's this guy is trample. He's ready to go. Uh, no cascade cards because you're making good use of stubborn denial. Yeah, Miglos making the mix as well. Uh, you know, a card that when I read it, I I was pretty high on. Maybe not in this context. Um, but like you mentioned, stubborn denial turned on. That's kind of cool. Miglos is very very strong and limited. I, I believe it. This I, card has good words on it. I don't think it is particularly good in Pioneer, let alone Modern, but people are playing it, so. Uh, well, here it is. Yep, it is there. Uh, yeah, Zoo exists if you want to do that sort of thing. Uh, M. Hayashi, Mono, Red, Saga, no Bowmats, I'm very sad. Um, Ragavan, Epicure, Season Pyromancer, four Mishra's Research Desk, four Synthesizers, so doing a lot of churning. Yeah, Shrapnel Blast, too, adding a lot of reach to that plan. Uh, yeah. You've got a lot of burn when you're turned on here, like a huge amount of reach. Uh, for Shatter Skull Smashing. So because of the Pyros and the Smashings, there's no Gigantha. I'm just basically trying to figure out what is really different from the deck that I have built currently, and I think that's basically about it. I'm not saying this is good. I'm saying there's a pretty good reason for this to exist, and it it is at least intriguing. I I like Red Saga with a bunch of blasts well enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't I don't know if this is like the best version of it, or if even one of those versions is approaching tier one or anything. But right, uh, this is definitely interesting. Uh, I I I like seeing folks experiment and. I don't know, just like try new things with the deck because like I had a yeah. list that I was pretty set on and then this kind of like blows up a lot of that. And it's like, okay, well, you know, this gives me a lot to think about. So I do appreciate this. There's also just a lot of hallmarks of like a good modern deck here. Like everything is very cheap. Uh, you have good selectability with your Urza Sagas. The, the cards in the deck are just powerful cards. Like I'm happy to see Ragavan. I'm happy to see Urza Saga. So you're not playing like garbage cards in pursuit of some goal and even shrapnel blast like very very real magic card granted has fallen out of favor entirely in the modern format but was sort of a scourge of it these was. older formats for yeah. a very long period of time and i don't think it's necessarily one that's been outmoded like getting five direct damage out of one card is still powerful even in the context of modern magic it's just sort of the framework around it hasn't really supported it all that well but this feels much closer to supporting it I mean, we've seen tribal flames in multiple decks already, too. So that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The reach matters. Uh Tennis Star 99, another spell pierce lightning bolt creativity deck. Uh, this one, a couple copies of 
persist. Persist, yeah. Uh, to hard evidence. I like hard evidence. I'm I'm kind of weirded out that people were moving away from it, but I do like it. I think it's good here, at least in in small numbers. You know, maybe you don't want to flood on them, but it's good. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm with that. Uh, other than that, yeah, pretty normal. Uh, Shanti zero lands because we're playing a bunch of DFCs and Charbelcher and a Coom Warrior. What the hell are we doing with this thing? Oh, that's just a a big yeah, red just, DFC. Just a land. Yep. Just to land. What uh, is your favorite Ashanti song? Dude, I would have to look it up. Okay. But you have one. You know that much. Um, Where would I even... I'll just go to Wikipedia. Surely. Were you um, a Murder, Inc. guy back in the day? Not really. Hmm. God, I can't believe this is what I'm looking up right now. Yeah, I, I need to look as well. Something's going to stand out to me as my favorite Ashanti song. I her, her Wikipedia is like almost more about like filmography and television than than music really i hadn't realized she had transitioned so effectively good for her 2022 oh, she collaborated with michelle obama uh to spread awareness of drinking water in 2015 so i'm looking at her, her first album and it's like okay i remember this song with jaw rule yeah uh i don't really remember anything else maybe she doesn't have a song with nelly maybe she just dated nelly is that possible dude i don't know you brought this up this is a dumb place to go. You should have just went to Spotify and like seen her most played songs. That's where I don't, I don't have a Spotify account anymore. So I didn't want to get really, I didn't want to get racked with ads or whatever. Ashanti's Christmas 2003. Dude, I don't know. Okay. I'm, I'm going to put you down for foolish. I think that would have been your answer. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like she was good. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't turn it off if it came on, you know, but it wasn't, mm. I was a very, very angry child. So not receptive to Ashanti is what you're well, saying? Yeah, just like, you know, chilling with some R&B or whatever is not a thing that I could do. See, I don't I don't think Ashanti was like during my angry phase. I think I was in the club when Ashanti was on. OK. I'm pretty sure that time frame works out. Well, I, yeah, I guess I was like 18, 19 around there. So depending yeah. on what you want to classify as a kid, but I was still angry around that time. I might have been angry, but I was still in the club. Word. Uh, Next up, Dirty Boy. <laughs> Rakdos, uh, scam is what they call yeah, this. Yeah, scam ish. Uh, cleaner than most lists. A lot of four ofs, some season pyros, an obnix list. Yeah, I don't know. You view this deck as tier one? I, I think it's very much tier one. I think it's just so proactive, so good at what it does in the early game. It you have to give it credit. Yeah, it's it's a good Jun deck in that it doesn't necessarily have terrible matchups. And like grief plus the reanimate stuff can certainly KO certain decks, especially if you have any sort of follow-up, but also just like fury gives you so much game against yep. a bunch of things. And then you also just have a lot of staying power, oddly enough, and, and stuff like Dotsies and lightning bolt. Like you just have like good cards and good plans and maybe it's not the most consistent thing in the universe, but that ceiling is really high, yeah. though, which I think is critical for this type of deck in modern. Right. So I another spot for Fair Fable, by the way. And I don't like my my point that I wanted to make about Fable still stands, but for whatever reason in this shell, I feel less strongly about it. Like it seems much more reasonable here, and maybe that's just because the cards surrounding it are so good. Like we're not actually relying on Fable to do any heavy lifting whatsoever. It's just like very much to smooth things out. 
make things a little bit better, add that little bit of value, and you're so, so good in the early game. That turn three is actually a point of power for you as opposed to a point where you need to be catching up as most Jun decks do. Yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at it is that if on the first couple turns you like Grief Fury them, then board is maybe pretty stable. You have plenty of time to deploy something like Fable and filter through your hand a little bit and and get stuff going, you know? Whereas mm-hmm. the other deck, it's like, oh, you're behind and you play a Fable. I mean, like, that's not a good place to be. No, that's not a real card at that point. Yeah, but this deck is very good at converting, like, you know, cards in hand to actually, like, trading with resources and stuff, so. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Whiter Knight. Man, uh, more Ragavan, Tarmogoyf. This one is just red-green because we Seismic Assault Loman. Uh, uh, I I want to like this. I, seismic Assault Loam, one of my favorite combinations of all time, for sure. I've done it a lot, probably more than I should. Yeah. Yep, same. Uh, Mistress Bobble with DRC. I guess that kind of makes sense. You want an artifact for Delirium, but mm-hmm. not a whole lot of synergy going on. I mean, maybe you want to be able to mill over lands to fuel early, like Loam, Ren, and Six stuff. Uh, damn. Well, with Ren, Six, and Loam, uh Basaju is hella good right yeah uh, absolutely that's been kind of a problem playing these mid-range ren and six decks if you, again you do play against something like tron where it's like oh man i really need to assemble this combo but you it's kind of hard them out yeah uh yeah this one just has kind of infinite copies of both i would sort of like to see the third Basaju in the board but it's not maybe that pressing of an issue and there's four copies of blood moon so i guess that kind of does it it's kind of their best piece of interaction, right? Like as far as interacting with the broader format, that may be the actual best thing they can do. And I think when you're red green, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I actually think like even fourth copy could be not out of the question in the sideboard. Like I'm not saying load up main, but it's just so, so clear that this is your primary plan against so many decks. Uh, I don't know. I think, I think you just need it to bail you out in a lot of scenarios. Wait, where, you're, you're still talking about blood moon, right? No, no, I'm talking about Besaidu. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's not even the third one in the sideboard. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. And I I want the third one at least. And oh, I'm happy maybe to have the fourth okay. one. Yeah. It just seems like such a critical point of interaction for this deck. Yeah, it's it definitely seems especially good because you have Ren and Loam. Um it's like only Ragavan to discount it, but that's pretty fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. This this actually doesn't seem that bad to me. If Seismic Assault is good, this is probably straight up great. Uh, it's very hard, I found, for Seismic Assault to be good. But if you find that metagame, this deck... I mean, this deck has like stolen GPs before, right? It very much has that pedigree. We're going back in time quite a bit. GP but, Hoth. Yeah, and... Uh, I don't remember the dude's name who won, but like it's kind of out of nowhere. Just this deck wasn't even on the radar and then steals the whole tournament with Loam. And that is the type of thing that Loam can do occasionally. Yep. Uh, next up, Pedro Gush. Uh, Hammer-ish, but uh, Squadron Hawk, Solitude, and Shining Shoal. Oh, to go with the Maria's Call. Yes. Yeah, there's kind your seven of, drop. That's kind of better than Chancellor of the Annex. It's I, cool. I wonder if that, that human deck had a Maria's Call and I just missed it. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe. I mean, they were mono white, very easily could. Yeah. Uh, yeah, why not? Yeah, this is this is like a 
slower take on this list, but you have solitude for mirror matches you can grind with like squadron hawk stuff and then you have yeah, the ceiling still theories. super high on this deck right like it's it's got that same threshold that regular hammer does yeah you're just not necessarily threatening as many like turn two kills potentially yeah. but uh, which is fine if you have shining troll as another out right like that changes the way your opponent plays pretty quickly yeah this looks kind of good to me i mean i don't necessarily condone squadron hawk in today's modern format but certainly with solitude and things like stoneforge mystic it, it is good and mm. my problem with squadron hawk was that you know i was playing it in like slow clunky blue white decks right but if you're a little bit more proactive then squadron hawk starts looking a little bit more decent because it's sort of like it's your top end you know yeah and it's not so bad so i can Just get behind this a little bit better yeah it's cool I like this. Uh, Andy Wilson, Amulets, 34 lands, three Micasynth Gardens, one Colossus, got some Explorers in there. Yep, Andy Wilson been playing Amulet for a long time. Yep. Uh, long o, time. o Stones in the sideboard, also three copies of Hydroid Crisis. Wow. Okay. I'd have to think about that one a little bit. All right, I thought about it. I don't like it. Well, uh, double Amulet, again. Those situations are going to happen uh, a lot more, more often, often with this version, right? So then you need more threats and things to do with like eight mana. And I think Crisis is a pretty good one. If you're trying to grind against like blue white control or whatever, it makes sense. Yeah, but you need blue white control to be like, pre I, I, it just seems like on a lot of those instances, you just want more Cultivator Colossus. But what if, what if it's like a better card against Scam, for example? okay yeah that's a great reason to do it if you're targeting a tier one deck with it then i'm into it when you said blue white i was like ah, this doesn't make any sense well yeah stand, i was then i was thinking like grindy matchups what's one that comes to mind okay blue white but like what's a more popular one and yeah and scam is is kind of it so okay could be good all right uh kyoma is it merc tide these decks are getting a lot leaner this is not quite where i want them to be uh, but only two copies of Merktide Regents, two Ledger Shredders. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Spell Pierces, no Archmage's Charms. Dress Down Blood Moon. Um, yeah. basically, Very much focusing around those red one drops now. Yeah. Basically, I like the versions that cut Merktide for Breach. Mm -hmm. And you basically use reach as a value card i mean you can just like go off play a bunch of bobbles and refill your hand or maybe lightning bolt your opponent out in games that go on a little bit longer and yeah breach is just rad and i think not in not straight up you know it's not like strictly better than murktide regent or whatever but i think it's like a little bit more flexible and then if you want to do stuff like play uh, Iconoclast instead of Shredder on your breach turns. You also just get a bunch of tokens if you're replaying like Bobbles or Sheep Spells. So, breach a very messed up magic card. Yes, in all forms. Yes, very true. Play the broken cards. Tybalt of Red Sub playing Demir Mill, two copies of Jace the Perfected Mind. Yeah, I wasn't expecting this to be the first time we talked about Jace the Perfected Mind, our number one card in New Phyrexia. Your number one card. Uh, yeah, you put me under the spot. That's not fair. Um, and I didn't feel great about that pick. But 
yeah, the first time we've seen this card, obviously a very good fit here. Uh, I still think this card has something to do in standard. I don't, I don't think we're done with this one yet. No, it does. It's, it's solid. It's fine. Uh, Gargamel, Elementals, <laughs> dude, more glittering wishes. What the hell? Oh, uh, yeah. Fable. Wish I still had some left. Voice of Resurgence. So this is harder on elemental cards, but not mm-hmm. Thunderkin Awakener type of stuff. What are we wishing for? Clothis, Supreme Verdict, Wear Terror, and Kasali Ambusher. Not much of an ambush anymore, but whatever. Uh, Fiery Justice, Wheel of Sun and Moon, Lightning Helix, Ashiok. I guess if you wanted some sort of like, you know, package like this that doesn't mess up Kahira, then Glittering Wish is a way to do it. Yeah. I don't like it. Um, my brain short is short-circuited for a moment when I saw the fifth Omnath. I was like, wait a second, that's not Omnath. It's been a minute since Luke's of the Royal has been on my radar. Yeah, I mean, there's there's about to be more Omnaths. There's also the Monoclean okay. Omnath if you want to go there. That is true. The the OG. Uh, everythingologist. Cascade, Glimpse of Tomorrow, nothing fancy. Uh, this is the Chancellor of the Forge one, not the new, mm-hmm. like, eight Omniscience ones. Yep. So. Eh, fine. Fine deck. Fine tier 2.7 deck. Control for days. Uh, I want to say Yogmoth. Yeah, this is Yogmoth, but Fiend Artisan, A Circle of Dreams Druid. Yeah, Tyvar, Grist. Uh, dude, are we seeing this deck evolve again? It'd be nice. It's it's been so static for so long. Uh, it's very hard to look at a list like this and understand what it is doing better or worse in terms of just like cards you know i'm all about tybar 100 percent believer in that card i think it's extremely strong is it enough to add a new angle to this archetype not sure not sure have to think about this one a little bit more well tyvar was circle of dreams druid there's one copy to core four or feed arson four uh i could i could see it kind of popping off Yeah, maybe even the Priest of Forgotten Gods just becomes such a tremendous, tremendous threat out of nowhere once you have Tybar and you're able to cord that up. Yeah. Uh, so what are we giving? We're giving up the Eldritch Evolutions in this build. Correct. Okay. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, like, Tyvar does so many things so well, right? Like, it accelerates you to the late game. It lets all your stuff happen immediately and then the redundancy you get on some of your key creatures so uh you know when fiend artisan is a card that is like omnipresent it is extremely threatening strangle root guys need to be killed infinite times now same with young wolf so you always have the pieces you need to sort of go off uh it's it's an exciting card in just many many contexts so not shocked to see it at least attempted here and attempted with some success as well so if you go like Fiend Artisan into Tyvar, you can sack a Strangler guys to get Circle of Dreams Druid. Presumably that's going to give you a decent amount of mana. And you can either untap the Druid for Big Cord, or you could untap the Fiend Artisan. And then that with the Circle of Dreams Druid mana could allow you to get Yogmoth, right? So like, yes, this kind of like allows you to combo from a pretty low base too. It does. It does. Absolutely. All right. I'm not sold, but... It's something. 
Uh, Donna and some numbers, Tron, uh, Haywire Might, Singleton, Platinum Angel, Singleton, some Goloses. I don't know. Boy, Tr Tron's weird now. It is weird. <laughs> these, are, these are weird cards. It's really getting weird. Uh, Haywire Might is obviously very good. Yeah. But it, it is weird to me. It's like, you know, you've completed Tron. You have 12 mana at your disposal, and you're like, boom, Haywire Might. What's up? Got him. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, Murph and some threes. Ooh, okay. This is eight, well, seven blast, I guess. But with green now for Haywire Might, which was mm -hmm. I was already considering doing, but then they're they're playing Tarmogoyf as well and Ren and Six. I'm not sure how I feel about that. It does give you more staying power, but not sure if the deck actually needed that. Maybe as a sideboard option, I like that. Like when decks have adopted, that was like the OG Tarmogoyf use, right? Like decks adapt to what you do, then you present Tarmogoyf. Right. Now, Tarmogoyf is not the same card it was back when we were doing that kind of move. Um, I don't know if it's going to carry as much weight as it did in that era, but if you told me you wanted green because you wanted access to that sideboard plan and Haywire Might in the main deck, I could get on board with that. So send these Tarmogoyfs Ren and Six to the sideboard, maybe bring back uh, the Mishra's Notebook, and then I, I I think that's more in line with what I want to do. Or at least like if this is the path you want to go down, maybe like starting Ren and Six seems fine, and then Tarmogoyf is more of a sideboard card. But it does stick out to me like a sore thumb in this context. Yeah, I will say though, like. Tarmogoyf has been outmoded for a lot of reasons, but if there are a lot of Furies in decks like this with like, you know, you have Mistress Bobble, you have creatures that are probably going to be dying pretty easily. You have yeah. Planeswalkers and Ren and Six. It's not that hard to get to a 5-6 and like we're seeing all these like Shrapnel Blasts and Tribal Flames and stuff. Uh, no, it sizes up well, for sure. Yeah, it might actually be hard to kill again. I don't know. Uh, Unholy Heat, still a thing, but I think... A lot fewer of that card yeah, than there was in its heyday. Urian uh, removed a lot of those from the format, basically. Mm -hmm. So, again, like, Tarmogoyf might just be, like, a scam thing, you know? It's it's pretty tough for them to sure. remove that card. Yeah, okay. Uh, Scrug. Uh, is it Murktide? I, I really don't like this one. Magmatic Channeler, one copy. Royal Scions, one copy. Uh, one arc major charm. This one is weird. Like I've seen some weird Murktide decks. This this is like really digging up the bottom of the barrel of like playable blue red cards. The first collector's booster I ever opened. Maybe the only one I ever purchased. I don't know if that's true or not. That can't be true. The first one I ever opened though, full art foil royal scions. Oh hell Very yeah! Big moment at the time. I think maybe the most valuable thing you could open. Uh, potentially even more valuable than Oko at that moment. So uh, very excited, a very good kickoff to the collector booster experiment. Things rapidly went downhill from that point, as they did for the Royal Scions too. This is not a card I really believe in much. Given your big thing trample, does matter. Uh, I don't know, first strike up in your Ragavan, I guess, could be a thing. I wonder how we got to a place where Magmatic Channeler was like, oh, I want to I wanna play this card, you know? That's a good question. I like that card, but I, even I have my limits. That could be Underworld Breach. It could be. Uh, 
Teary Follicks with some merfolk. Dismember, Force Negation, Vile, two Spreading Seas, and then some Fishies. Four Vidalian Hexcatcher, the new Lord. Okay, that's not surprising. A couple of Miscallers. Yep. Good card against creativity, I guess. Two Silvergill Adepts. All right, I'm done. I'm off it. Merfolk is going to win a big tournament soon. That is my prediction. Okay. That involves two things. One, there has to be a big tournament. Two, Merfolk has to win it. I'm not sure which of those is less less likely, but it's uh, it's going to happen. Merfolk has gotten better, uh, but, you know. This is not me saying, like, I think Merfolk is great or anything. This is just, it's, it's time. Like, it's, it happens, like, once every seven years, and then it just fuels all this Merfolk hysteria for the interim period, and it, it's time for it to happen again. Yeah, it's, it's got Fury problems. Spaloon is, is good against it, but that's about it. Uh, next up, Twins with Demir Mill. Three copies of Jace the Perfected Mind. We're getting there. Getting closer to the number one card status. All right. Uh, Teo Impe, 93, Cascade, Rhinos, a Cryptic Command, some Seasoned Pyromancers, but pretty normal. Yeah, I, I never have them put on these Rhinos decks, and I, I still don't. Not unless they're fancy, but these aren't fancy. No. All right, we got the Spice. Here we go. Yeah, this is this is a big one. Iniestator, MTG, Cascade, Glimpse of Tomorrow. This one. Uh, four omniscience, four one with the multiverse, and I think last time we talked about this, I was like, you just need uh another card to cast that's like Emrakul, the Aeon's Torn power level. You remember that? Yeah. And now we have four copies of Atraxa. It's pretty close. <laughs> it's pretty close in terms of impact for sure. Yeah, it's close. Um, the fact that you only get to cast one spell with one it's definitely not great with Atraxa right because Atraxa is just like drawing you more cards and ideally you would do something with those cards but getting like a big life linker into play and drawing a bunch of cards might be good enough in a lot of scenarios yeah I think the one is just going to translate to the omniscience or whatever comes next like it, it is sort of like a bridge and you're so powerful in that moment with the one with Atraxa, you will be able to bridge to the next thing. Yeah. It's my expectation. Yeah. Ideally, if if that's how it plays out, then cool. Uh oh, also some copies of As Foretold to just hard cast the glimpse. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, that is cool. All right, sweet. Uh Yorick. Uh what? What am I looking at? Jeskai stuff. Ragavan Solitude. Jeskai cards. Ragavan Solitude, Bone Crusher Giant, Snapcaster Mage. Counterspell, Lightning Bolt, some Explosives, Endings, Iterations, Teferis, a couple Archmage's Charms, Castle Ardenvale, naturally. This is a collection of modern cards that you are allowed to register. Fairy Conclave, hell yeah. Uh, dude, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't either. I don't... Some of the choices here are very, very baffling, I will say. Uh, probably just a Snapcaster Mage fan. And once that card to be relevant again, because it's it's not. This might be our first Snapcaster Mage we've seen in this entire. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Only seventeen cards to snap, though, and like a lot of them are pretty expensive. Like there's expensive. no no yeah. cantrip or anything. Wild. Uh, okay, next up, swag. Ah, uh, jeez. Again, I don't even know what I'm looking at. Abundant growth, 
Eldritch Evolution, Ether Channeler, and Elish Norn, Mother of Machines. Is this just fair? Like, these are just, like, good cards that were Eldritch Evolutioning for? Like, there's no combo that I'm missing, right? Uh, Like, Wall of Omens, Ice Fang Waddle, two Omnath, four Solitude, three Ether Channeler. Like, yeah, this, this just seems like you Evolution, Elish Norn, and then just double up on your triggers and value that's that's nice i guess so that means i get a one one bird and i draw a card from ether channeler wow we've done it yeah we just broke modern well i think you choose and then elish norton no i know uh, okay so i'll I'll take two birds okay thanks yeah I mean, you could have two cards, but yeah, two birds. That makes sense. No, two birds. Okay. Uh, Tectonic Edge, ironically, playing Tron. It's all a ruse. Two Cityscape Levelers. Yeah. All right. That seems like a very Tron card. Yeah. Uh, Jidden with Semblance Anvil combo. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Scrap Trawler back in the mix. It's just like the glory days of kci baby yeah i watched spike play some of this too it did not look very good but um man remember you could just play kci for a very long time and nobody did yeah i certainly didn't uh i played a bit it was good you should have been playing it yeah probably uh i i don't know i mean that was that was during like the young pyromancer era or like the mm-hmm. the mardu pyro era so I definitely like that deck a lot. And I had an extensive modern collection, but did not have a lot of the cards in KCI because they're all weirdos. Yeah. And I think if I if I would have owned all the stuff, I would have been more likely to register it. But it was a lot of work to like go out and get the stuff, especially when yeah, I, I could just I think I bought them all and they got banned immediately afterwards. Yeah, so you didn't really miss anything. I mean, typical Brian problem. Yep. Uh KCOAKO. More glimpse of tomorrow, one with the multiverse stuff. This one is just nickel bolusing instead of attracting. Hmm. Nah. That can't be right. Nah, I don't. I don't like it. Plus, plus, attracts is new. You know, just play with it. Yeah, it's shiny. Maybe it's probably like four thousand tickets. Yeah, maybe they tried the... and were disappointed, and then it was like, all right, back to the bolus as we go. <laughs> back to bolus. There's nothing better than the OG. Polis Planeswalker. Uh, Ryuji with some Rakdos Scam. Uh, this one with one Phyrexian Flesh Gorger. I think I saw Ryuji, uh, one of the highest ELOs in the world now. Is that correct? Uh, would not surprise me. Yeah, I I saw uh, an update of the ELO page that I believe had him very high. Uh, I mean, like he, he won a Pro Tour or one of the Mythic Championships or whatever. Yeah, I don't think the last PT went very well for him, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, seventeenth, pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Were you ever the number one ranked player in the world on Elo? Uh, I I don't know if I was number one, but I was I was high certainly after yeah, uh, Nashville and Bilbao. Hmm. That's composite, right? Well, because Nashville was a uh, limited. No, 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 uh, Amonkhet into 
Gotcha. Into you're talking to later. Yeah. Ixalan. Yep. Because I wasn't playing a ton of events, uh, so I wasn't like tanking my rating in in between them, and so it was like win a PT to like get me out of the dumpster and yep. up pretty high, and then it was like some stuff to lose some points, and then I got second, and then I was very high. I don't know if I was ever number one though. I, I'm sure I have like screenshots somewhere, but yeah, I don't I don't know where I was. Okay. Shota currently ranked number one uh, by a significant margin of 40 points. The more things change, the, <laughs> the more they stay the same. Yeah. All right. Uh, Andre 94, more Cascade, Footfalls, some Jace the Mind Sculptor, some Repudiate Replicates. Gotta go after those activated abilities. What are What are we getting? I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. You can make a rhino for three mana. You could counter a chalice trigger. There you go. For five mana, basically. I don't know. Is that is that good? Does that do anything? I don't know. Counter an oblivion stone activation out of amulets. Take that. That's good. Uh, Zeus 87, mono white, death and taxes e stuff. Some ephemerates, ether vials, equipment package. Uh, Where are the shoals? I just want shoals in all my decks. All my white decks, I want shoals. Yo, now. this this would be honestly a perfect shining shoal. Seems good, right? Yeah, it it really does seem good. Like I I know I'm being a little facetious, but like that is the type of stuff you have to do when the format warps hard against you, and it seems very good here. You know, it's especially once you realize you just get to insert it into your mana base for have to have the seven cost. Yeah, I was going to say, especially when you realize your deck is 65 cards. Well, yeah, I feel like you have room for it at that point. That's, Did you realize that true. 65 no. card modern DNT getting the five oh? Yeah, not even Good like them. 10 card sideboard. Like, oh, I want to side down to 60 or anything. 15 in the board. No, just play 65. That's who, who wants to choose 65 cards, 23 land. Those are perfect ratios. I wonder how that got there. Um. So this deck is playing Arbiter, and it has four Ghost Quarter, four Field of Ruin. I wonder if they know that you could play more Field of Ruins now. Or if it was like, no, four is the right amount. Just play 12 of the effect. Let's go all in. Well, you gotta be able, you need some white mana. How are you gonna cast nah. Flicker Wisp otherwise, you know? We're fine. Don't worry about it. Oh, what the hell? All right, Doomwake. What, what the hell are you doing, man? Okay. Epicure, Goblin Engineer, Ragavan. Season Pyromancer, yep, Trash for Treasure. As soon as yeah. I saw the Graz <laughs> Unstoppable Juggernaut, I was like, all right. Uh, okay, so Graz, eight mana, seven, five. Legendary Fine. Artifact Creature Juggernaut. Juggernauts you control attack each combat if able. Juggernauts you control can't be blocked by walls. Other creatures you control have base power and toughness, five, three, and are Juggernauts in addition to their creature types. So, five, three, Haywire Might. Let's go. Um... Sundering Titan. Phyrexian Dragon Engine. Yeah, Portal to Phyrexia. It's like a backdoor trash thing. You're like entombing artifacts off Goblin Engineer. Look, in all seriousness, I think Trash for Treasure is like a potentially breakable card. It's powerful. It is, ex it is. It is extremely strong. It has been on the cusp of like being a modern, not only player, but like problem for a very, very long time. I can remember many times again back before i was broken uh like realistically thinking i was very close with trash for treasure actually just breaking the format and if it happens one day i'm not going to be surprised 
I don't know if Graz Unstoppable Juggernaut is the thing that does it, but I, I do think it is possible. I'll say that. Well, making all your other stuff five threes when maybe you have like seasoned pyromancer tokens. I mean, I get it. Could do it. Got the five zero. Maybe, maybe it's enough. Yeah. I, I feel uh, like. I mean, if, I think this deck also top eight of the challenge recently, right? Uh, or something okay. along these lines. Okay. I I missed that one. Um, yep. I, I feel like if I would have been watching Devin's stream and he loads up this deck, I would have been like, this is like a solid 3-2, maybe. And he got the 5-0, you know? So there's something here. Three twos can get 5-0s. I, I tricked myself into a lot of bad decks by getting 5-0s with them. I'll just say that. I'm not saying this is bad. I'm just saying that that's a... I wouldn't use that as a hard metric. It's not a hard metric, but it's it's like okay, that that means it has potential, you know. Yep. Something something right. You should, you should spend more time on it at that point. Maybe. I've certainly five would and been like, you know, this build done with this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Masa Kitaro, Tron, but Eldrazi. I'm off it. Yep. D Pelliser, is it Murktide traditional? One minor misstep. I think there's more than one minor misstep here, but yes, at least one. Well, there's one on the sideboard. You're correct. Mm, see? Uh, Grig, Amulet, 34 land, 4 garden, no explore. More more Hydrid Graces in the sideboard, so that must be the Amulet thing now. The amulet Hive Mind, they move together. They stay strong. They do. And then, ooh, finally, Tron Slayer, potentially living up to the name uh, with Is It Prowess. Yeah, it just needs to get you know, some ground riffs in there, and then this deck is basically perfect. No. Also, ah. I'm sorry, man. Uh, no Rock Priest combo in here for you. Yeah, a little disappointing, but we'll we'll get him next go around. And uh, like I said, I, I already broke it. Like I said, you just insert it into this deck, and everything's good, and it'll just be a matter of time before that takes over the modern format. I highly doubt that. But, you know. It's me too. Live your life. Uh, be be the change you want to see, Brian. You know, get in those leagues. That is not something I'm going to do. Rack up five zero. I can guarantee that, would, that if that you five zero, your deck will get posted. Uh, that's true. That's true, and that used to mean a lot to me. That would be something that I would be very happy about. I can't say the same these days. Well, damn man. Uh, to our cast, nice look at the modern format. Definitely looks like a lot of bullshit, but in a good way. A lot of fun stuff. A lot of a lot of kind of like old school stuff making a comeback, you know, Tribal Flame, yeah. Shrapnel Blast, mm-hmm. Tarmogoyf, wild. I see a good healthy format where you can still have fun, try stuff, do the things you want. There is a real tier one, uh, probably if you're trying to win a modern tournament, it is a hard limiter on what you're doing. But if you're trying to 5-0 a league, as you can see, your options remain limitless. Yeah. Otherwise, if I were trying to win, I would probably be playing Is It Breach? Uh, no combo, just value engine sort of stuff. That that would be where I would start anyway. I'd already decided that a while ago. If I was going to play an RCQ, that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. And I might in, I mean, it's March now, but I was going to say in March, I might go play some. And maybe there are some modern ones. I think it's mostly Pioneer still, but we'll see. Godspeed to you. If I play an RCQ in New Zealand, can I bring that? invite back with me or have i then qualified for new zealand whatever their feature whatever their rc is i believe you get to choose which one you play in but it can only be one okay but also those rules might have changed i have no idea 
and I, I could just be misremembering. Maybe, maybe I just told myself that's what my rule would be if I did it. Cause yeah, you know, people travel for work or vacation or whatever. And that, that is just a thing that happens. It could come up. There's no reason it should lock you into it. Okay. I'm not going to do it, but it was, it's good to have that information in my back pocket. You just bring foil amulet with you. You never know. I, I bring foil amulet with me everywhere. Are you <laughs> kidding me? It's, I go to the supermarket. I've got it like in the little cart thing where people put their children. I just put amulet. Yeah, you there. never know when a pickup game is going to happen, right? Right. You got to be ready. It's like you, yeah. You're always ready to duel. Yep. All right. Anything else? Nope. Modern type. Game. Still Magic's best format. IMO. Uh, yeah, I think so. Obviously, you know, different people want different things or whatever, but I think that this kind of captures everything that I like about magic and yeah, some stuff sucks about it, but it is really cool and deep and innovative now and has, has gotten a lot better. I think it's just like a good format now, legitimately. And I never thought I'd say that. It's not in the dumps anymore. Unlike 30th edition Correct. to bring it all the way back around. All right, we're done. Game Full circle, game, game, game. Good luck.